Friday, July the 15th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We'll dive into the AFC North as we continue on our NFL team-by-team previews here with Eric. I'm going to bounce into a couple things in the world of sports, uh, some news in basketball. Uh, the Open is underway, and uh, we'll check in real quick in, uh, in baseball, see what's been going on there in the last week or so. Then we get into a lot of racing. Best bets for Friday at Saratoga and at Ellis opening week at Saratoga. They just opened up on Thursday. Then we get into Woodbine for Friday. Got an early pick five over there. I do a preview show for Woodbine. It's a Woodbine mega stream every Friday morning, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time, where we preview the early pick five for Woodbine Thoroughbreds and then the pick five, the early pick five for Mohawk. So the standard breads up at Woodbine Mohawk. We've got Saturday. Saratoga best bets, Ellis Park best bets, Louisiana Downs full card finishing up wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll hit up WWE SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and AEW on this episode. That's what G said. That is presented by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets is where you can follow them on Twitter. Go do that right now. If you're listening to me, if you're a sports fan, you'll really enjoy Better Than Vegas because they have a bunch of free content over there, preview shows to get you all set up for big sporting events. Uh, baseball preview shows Monday through Friday. Football, we're previewing each team, each division. College football, we're, they're going through each conference. We're going to have previews for every big UFC event, every big NASCAR and F1 event, every basketball game we had big previews. Um, I mentioned the Woodbine, Standard Bread, and Thoroughbred Racing. So much over there at Better Than Vegas. Everything's free at BTV. Just want to help you become a better, better. Couple things in the world of sports. I'm not going to talk too much about the Open because as I'm recording this, it, the first round is in the books. And by the time a lot of you hear this, because it's in Scotland, they're playing overnight, which is kind of fun when you can watch them playing really late here in the uh, in the U.S. So Cameron Young through round one, eight under. Rory, another great start. He's at six under. Robert Dinwiddie's at five under. Cam Smith, five under. Taylor Gooch, Dustin Johnson, Scheffler, uh, Barkley Brown, Kitayama, Lee Westwood, Brad Kennedy, all at four under, along with Victor Hovland. Lawrence, Trister Lawrence, Siwoo Kim, Neiman at three under, Harrington, others at three under, Bryson, DeChambeau, Xander's at three under, Terrell Hatton, Patrick Cantlay at two under, Robert McIntyre, Local at two under, Ernie Els two under, who else has a good first round there? Uh, Louie, Who's played well? He's uh before him and Spieth, Webb Simpson all at one under. And you've got Matsuyama is at one under. Adam Scott's at even. Fitzpatrick's at par. They shot 72s. Justin Thomas also shot a 72. Fleetwood, Zach Johnson, Morikawa all shot 72s. Max Alma shot a 73. Brooks shot a 73. Billy Horschel, 73. Finau looking through the open. And Sergio was three over. And we go all the way down to Tiger, who was six over. And he was, I think, uh, 
six or seven spots from the bottom. So not a great round. He shot a 78, t- did uh, did Tiger. Round one of the Open in the books. Round two, just uh, hours after I'm recording this. So by the time a lot of you hear that, it'll already be uh, in progress. In the NBA, big news that the Phoenix Suns matched an offer that was given to DeAndre Ayton by the Pacers. The Indiana Pacers offered a four-year, $133 million offer sheet. Suns matched. I'm going to read through some of Woj's uh, article from ESPN.com. Phoenix Suns matched the four-year, $133 million offer. DeAndre Ayton returns to the franchise. Suns had until 11.59 p.m. Eastern on Saturday to match the largest offer sheet in NBA history, but they matched it immediately and ended the Pacers' pursuit of Ayton. Phoenix showed no inclination to negotiate a sign-and-trade with Indiana prior to Ayton's signing, signaling the Suns were likely to match the offer sheet once it was presented. If they didn't match, they would have lost Ayton for nothing. Suns cannot trade Ayton until January the 15th, and they cannot trade him for a full year without his consent. This takes Ayton out of any possible off-season trade scenario involving Kevin Durant. Okay. So, that's important news. Now, the Suns cannot go get Durant. They're going to be rolling it back, basically, with the same team they have right now. Which means Raptors, maybe one or two other teams in the Durant sweepstakes now. Any, oppor- any possibility that he goes back to Brooklyn and tries to do it again, which means Kyrie would then stay. That's what they're trying to do in Brooklyn. So one of the major suitors that looked like they had a chance to put together a package for Kevin Durant, off the table now. We'll see what happens in the uh, the coming days and weeks. Because there are a lot of dominoes. Like the Lakers, figure the Lakers are still trying to make a move to get off of Westbrook. But they're waiting to see if Durant goes somewhere. Because if Durant doesn't go somewhere, then Brooklyn's going to still try to hold on to Kyrie. And then if Brooklyn gets stuck and Durant leaves, then they're going to have to trade Kyrie somewhere and at least get something back for him. So we'll see what ends up happening. But this was a this was a big piece in that now Phoenix was one of those teams on the list for Durant. They have no, They don't really have the pieces now. There's no possible way they can go get him. Checking in over in baseball, it's kind of quick, uh, quick little run through of the league. In the American League, there are two teams right now with ten game win streaks. Now, as I'm recording this, the Seattle game is not over yet. They're up on Thursday. They could, they could expand to an eleven game winning streak, and the Orioles have won ten in a row. They're forty five and forty four. They're over five hundred. The Orioles are one and a half games out of the final playoff spot. The wild card. Tampa and Seattle have the top two wild card spots right now. Toronto and Boston are tied for the third spot, and Baltimore's right behind them. Unbelievable stretch of games for the Orioles. And then uh, so you so the American League East, the whole division is above five hundred. The Yankees are 62 and 27. And they're 13 games up on Tampa. The Blue Jays are 47 and 43. They just fired their head coach. And then the Red Sox, they've struggled in the last couple of weeks. They're they've lost 4 in a row and they've lost 8 of their last 10. In the Central, 
kind of been a quiet division this year. Minnesota's up three and a half games on Cleveland. Well, the White Sox, who have been bad, have put together a three-game win streak. So now they're within four games right now of Minnesota in the division. Detroit and Kansas City round out the AL Central. Houston's been playing some really good baseball recently. They're seven and three in their last ten. They have a a plus ninety-seven run differential. Very good, which would be I think good enough for third in baseball, behind only the Yankees and Dodgers. Seattle with that ten-game win streak. They're up to second in the West. Texas, Angels struggling. They've lost 50 games already, 39 and 50. And the A's, how about they've lost 60 games? They're 30 and 60. On to the National League. Mets up top in the AL East. Braves playing a lot better recently. They've won 7 of 10. Philly on the opposite side, they've lost four in a row. So they're now nine and a half behind the Mets. Marlins have won two in a row. They're always going to be hovering around 500. They're two games under right now. They're pitching. We'll keep them in a lot of games. And then Washington, they've lost 61 games, 30 and 61. Brewers and Cardinals look like it may be a uh, a two-team race for the top of the Central. Brewers up two and a half games on Cardinals as of the recording of this. Milwaukee with 49 wins. Pittsburgh in the third spot in the division. Sort of by default because the Cubs and the Reds behind them have been so bad. Cubs have lost seven in a row. Reds. And the Cubs are now tied at 34 and 55. Dodgy's playing well, even with some injuries and with Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin giving them real, real quality first halves. 58 and 30. Dodgers are nine and a half games up on the Padres, 12 and a half up on the Giants with the Rockies and Diamondbacks rounding out the National League West. So a little bounce around some of the news in sports. Let's head on into horse racing and start talking some Friday and some Saturday racing. Listen in as Gino and friends give you all the specifics on who to bet and how to make some money. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And 
any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Every Friday morning, we have our Stable Duel live stream. And now for the summer months, we're going to be expanding. It's going to be summer stream. Stable Duel and Saratoga will be dishing out our best bets for Stable Duel weekend contest for Friday and Saturday. We'll get you a couple different tracks there, and then we'll also give out some Saratoga best bets for Friday, Saturday. That way we can hit everything going on in the weekend with racing, get it all in one place for you. Come join us on social media, at Stable Duel. You can follow me. It's me, Gino B, on Twitter, and we have a free live stream that gives best bets with Matt DeSantis, with Barry Spears, and myself every Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, over on Twitter. This weekend on Friday, you've got Ellis Park, Laurel, Monmouth, Prairie Meadows with contest options. There's a free ride at Prairie on Friday. Then on Saturday, you've got Ellis, Laurel, Gulfstream, and Prairie Meadows Saturday Night Slam. On Sunday, you've got Lone Star, Prairie Meadows, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Ellis, and Emerald. Monday to start next week, you've got Parks Colonial Monday Night Lights at Assiniboia Downs. You've also got a free ride there on Monday night. Stable duel, get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's head on over to Saratoga. I'm going to talk about some Friday plays over at Saratoga. Opening day was on Thursday at Saratoga. So I'm going to head Friday, get your past performances out. We are looking at July the 15th. And I'm going to look towards the uh, later part of the Friday card at Saratoga. We're going to look into race number six. We've got New York Breds here, optional 45 claimer, non-winners of two. You're going to go a mile and a 16th on the turf course. I like the four, Dancing with the Stars, who settled third inside. It was two or three lengths off, was in some traffic, loomed up, wanted to go, was full of run. This was two starts back on May the 20th, was waiting for room, got some, but was a little bit flat late. On June the 19th, came right back, took a little step forward, was inside, three or four lengths off, settled, 
was tracking, tracking and traveling well, loomed up, wanted to go, angled out four wide in between, kind of pushed his way out and really, really tried hard to finish third, only beating a neck. This is a two-time winner at Saratoga. I'm looking at the number four, Danzig with the Stars in race number six. Continuing along at Saratoga on Friday. Let's move to race number eight, and we'll take a look at races eight and nine. We've got a couple stakes races coming up there. The eighth is a five, for, five and a half furlong turf sprint. It's the Coronation Cup for three-year-old fillies. I like the four, Artos, who comes off of a, a really good runner-up effort behind Poppy Flower, where she was traveling really, really well, getting a perfect trip, about three lengths off behind a couple that were battling it out. And when she went to the inside, she had to move through traffic and got bumped around a little bit. It was just not the smoothest trip. Had to move in between. It was a solid second that day. She's got some tactical speed. She might be able to sit a nice trip and get the jump on uh, some of the deeper closers in here. It feels like Marissa's Lady, Ben Bang, Twilight Gleaming, Sweet Solaire all have good early speed, will want to be forwardly placed, along with Static Fire. There's only two or three in here that really feel like they, they want to come from out of it. Lady Scarlet wants to be close. Mystic Eyes wants to be close. I'd imagine Empress T- uh, Tiger is going to have to be forwardly placed from out there too. They could be flying early on. That should set up well for Artos. In the ninth race, it's the grade three Forbidden Apple. And I have a tough time getting away from Mira Mission in here. He's just in fantastic form as of late. Mira Mission has put together... I mean, you're going to have to go back a long way to find a poor effort on the turf. And the only one that you do find was coming off about a four or five month layoff with a legit excuse that day and a wide trip. I think Mira Mission is just getting better and better right now. This is a great spot for the number three Mira Mission. A couple plays for you for Friday, Saratoga. Let's bounce on over and talk a little Friday, Ellis Park. Looking at Ellis Park for Friday. And we're going to be looking at race number four. And I'm going to look at the six in here, 10 to one on the morning line. Brian Lynch with first time starters, two for the last seven. And those winners were at seven to one. Sire Oscar performance earned over two million on the turf as a four time winner, including the Breeder, a four time grade one winner, including the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Dam won the debut, won the first two starts, so showed precocity, was a multiple stakes winner, was 0 for 5 on the turf, but three of those were in graded stakes. She was actually stakes placed and was only beaten a neck with some trouble, only beaten a neck in one, trouble in another start. She's produced two siblings, one was a turf winner, a multiple winner, and grade three placed on the turf. The other did not win but had a two turf starts, finished second and third. I think there are lots of things to like about the number six in race number four on Friday at Ellis. 10-1 to 1 on the morning line for Brian Lynch, a first-time starter in here. I think is bred very nicely for the turf. So that's race number four at Ellis Park on Friday. Or excuse, uh, That's eight, race number four at Ellis Park on Friday, going a mile on the turf course, that's the number six, 30 carats. Let's move to race number seven. First level allowance in here on the dirt. Six furlongs at the four was interesting. Baby blue eyes, three-year-old filly. She's 15 to one on the morning line. Now, if we go through her career, first couple starts, she's kind of trying to figure out where she fit. Okay race on the synthetic, came back 
and she actually raced at Keeneland, showed some speed going long, cut back at six furlongs, and at Indiana Grand, she crushed. Really impressive. Then she stepped up and tried against uh, tried Stakes Company. She ran into Wicked Halo off of that. And her maiden win really fits on speed figures with this field. Only the horse, the, the three, Little Blaze, with her maiden win, seems like it is w- much, much better on paper than Baby Blue Eyes. She can sit off. She cuts back from seven furlongs against Tougher. Baby Blue Eyes. She's 15 to 1 on the morning line. We're going to use her in all exotics there. We'll make a win wager. If she's anything around 8, Ellis Park Friday, races 4 and 7. Good luck. Let's get you to Woodbine. Do the pick 5 preview. It's the mega stream on Fridays with Better Than Vegas. Give them a follow at BTV Bets. We talk the early pick 5 from Woodbine, which goes at race 2 on Friday. And then we talk. The pick five from Mohawk, the early pick five for you standard bread fans. So you'll get a little bit of both if you come and hang out on Friday morning. Woodbine race number two. I like the two in here a little bit. The coachman got steadied right after the start. Was all the way back to ninth in his last start. About seven or eight lengths off. He kept to the outside. He went five or six wide going into the turn, but he closed really well when he was able to straighten out. The five, Northern Conquest. Comes out of tougher. Anything close to the race in November would win this. 2-5 in race number two. Moving to the third. I thought this was a difficult race in the pick five. The two devils bit. Dropping off the long layoff might just be better than this group. You have the three fire emoji is another one who comes out of some tougher races. Or some races that would be really competitive in here. And at least with the the Philly, she's shown a little bit of speed also. You've got the five Crystal Crescent. Sort of what makes this race tough is you got a couple of these horses coming off the bench. You don't really know if you're going to get their best efforts. And, you know, Fire Emoji has shown some ability running uh, coming off the bench before. So has Crystal Crescent off a little bit of a break. Chance worth taking is the horse who I like most. Slow start from the rail. She was last. She was stuck behind horses, so she had to back up and angle all the way around. I put the six on top. Six, two, seven. Five and three, if you want to go a little deeper in the pick four. In race number four, they'll go five furlongs. I'll be using the two J and B in Crumlin, who was favored in the debut against Better. Now is going to drop in class. Showed a little bit of interest moving into it. Just didn't have a great trip. Was kind of bumped and just never really seemed all that comfortable. The four invisible friend. It's tough to just single a horse like him because... He's burned money quite a bit. He's a three-time beaten favorite. He's been three to one-ish or under five times. Mammoth Spring has speed drawn towards the outside. In races like this, a lot of the times you can get to the front end and it's just hard to pass. Those would be the uh, horses I was using in the fourth. In the fifth, I'd look at the five. Courtly Manor, second start off the bench. What's wrong with his last four turf tries? It's a good spot for him. The four... Moon over Montana returns to the turf. You got Redwitz Light, the Deuce, and the eight Bourbon Extension. Third start off the long layoff. The best races on the turf going long. Does he have any of that left? If so, you'll get rewarded at a pretty good price. Closing things out, I'll use the one Ben Lamond. Third start off the bench. It feels like six and a half is a fine spot for him. He won at this trip back in November. 
and then he proved it on the turf. He's a multiple turf winner. That towards the outside would use both the 10 and the 11. Crafty Conquest. Can he steal this thing? Then Honey Won't comes into a new barn. Honey Won't has a race back in October that would really fit well here at Woodbine. That's a look at the Woodbine pick five for Friday. We're going to move on over to Saturday. Start talking some Saturday racing. Before we do, we want to remind you about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. Cindy Carava, she can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to vendors like gardeners, landscapers, painters. Help if you're looking for home improvement. Maybe you need help with a, a loan. She'll connect you to the right type of lender that'll help you with that process and make things easier on you. That's her job. She wants to make life easier on you. She's going to make sure that uh, all of the the small details in all of these big processes are taken care of. She knows the way the market's moving. She knows what to tell you, and she'll be very honest with you. Whatever you're looking for, cindycarava.com, full-service realtor. Let's move on over to Saturday couple plays for Saratoga um, as uh, get your past performances out for Saturday, July the 16th. Let's take a look at Saratoga. Race number two. I'm looking at the five in here, Cupid's Girl. There is a ton of speed in this race. The one closing deals really fast in the inside draw. The two, Thief of Hearts, can sit a little bit, but I'd imagine they're going to be close up. They've been pretty quick. New York Bankers, another one who's usually pretty close. The four quick monies, pretty much right on the lead. The the six T Olive, the the seven Chloe Rose is more of a presser. The only horse that can really sit back and make one run is Cupid's Girl. She comes off of a, a nice win when she dropped down to the maiden forty that made her eligible for this race. It was a fine start. She took back inside. She was fourth, about two or three off, traveling really well. She tipped to the outside and she went right on by Cupid's Girl. The number five in race number two. She's five to one on the morning line. Anything over seven to two, we'd make a win wager there. Moving along through the Saratoga Saturday card up to race number five. And I'm looking at a first level allowance for New York Breads. They're going to go a mile and a 16th on the turf course in here. I like the seven, Spetro. On June the 18th, a good start. It was right with the leaders. He took back so not to battle. He got caught inside. He was in the third flight. He kind of got like backed up behind horses. He was three lengths off. He stayed inside. He was right up on the heels. He was traveling well. He was kind of shifting around, looking for some room. He got some space inside. He moved through. He closed really well, but the winner had already opened up. He finished a good second that day. Spetro. There's not a ton of speed in this race. I think there's one other that's a sprinter stretching out. Little Matty Brown. Maybe this guy can sit third. In here, you could see Rally Squirrel being forwardly placed. I'd love to see Petro sitting in that third spot. That's the number seven. He is 12 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything around six or so, we would play him to win. I think that's fair value on Spetro. Couple more to look at at Saratoga on Saturday. There is a, a stakes race in race number eight, it's the grade one Diana. It's not the greatest betting race in the world because Bleecker Street's undefeated. You've also got Rougier, who's probably not going to be the biggest price in the world. It's just a short field. I'd give Rougier another shot to bounce back if if the value is there. If if Rougier's you know five to two and Bleecker Street's four to five, 
I'd lean Rougier and, and give her a shot to turn the tables. In the ninth race, let's go to the 10 in here. Daunt. His last two races, I really like the pattern. May the 5th, about seven lengths off, he moved to the inside. He got stuck in traffic in between, waiting on the heels, and he moved inside with some run. Then he tipped to the outside, widest of all. It was not a bad effort. Comes back on June the 4th, second chasing Emmanuel in really slow fractions before tiring a little bit late after taking his shot. Now the blinkers come on. First time Lasix, third start off the bench. Lots to like for Daunt. The number 10, Daunt, in race number 9 in Saratoga. He also comes out of a race where uh, one of the horses in there came back and ran pretty well, even in defeat last week. That was the... uh, Coming out of the, the Pennon Ridge, the last place finisher in there, El Azar, came back and finished second in the Grade 3 Kent. So that race, while not producing the next out winner quite yet, has already come back pretty live. I think it's a good spot for the number 10, Daunt. Anything around 5-1 to one will make a win wager there in the ninth at Saratoga. Moving to the Sanford, which is race number 10. Really fun betting race, wide open, lots of ways to go. I'm just looking at two horses if you're playing any type of late exotics that I really want to make sure to use, both the 6 and the 12. I think maybe a little outside the box and should offer you value. So Mo Strike and the 12, Valenzen Day, um, who just took back to a little bit too far last time out. They'll have to make a decision with that outside draw and have to work out a trip, but I think there's some ability there. 12 and 6 are horses who I'll be using all over there at Saratoga on Saturday. Let's move over to Ellis. We've got a couple plays for you at Ellis. Turn to race number four for Saturday at Ellis Park, July the 16th. And we're going to look at a five and a half furlong maiden special weight turf sprint. The nine, Lord Grantham. This guy's damn one on the turf. He's a half to a horse named Lady Edith, who won the debut going five and a half on the turf at Ellis Park. Has two turf wins, including $100,000 stakes at Churchill. This barn is 12 for their last 105 with first-time starters, 11%, and a little bit better than it might look if you're just glancing at the uh, the stats in the PPs. The number nine, Lord Grantham, anything around 5-1, to one, will make a win wager there at Ellis Park. Moving to the seventh race, Maiden Special Weights going, or excuse me, we're going to go to race number eight. Race number eight, optional 50, mile and an eighth on the turf course. I like the five next. I think he can go wire to wire again. He just won by two and a half on May the 20th at Churchill, going fifth in a $50,000 claimer, going a mile and an eighth. We know he can get the distance. Who are his other major pace foes? Maybe Temper Tantrum. I think he's quicker. Maybe Whiskey Double. I think he's quicker. Maybe Current. I think he's quicker than all of them. Next, who uh, I'll be playing in race number eight at Ellis Park. That's the number five. So a couple plays for you. For Ellis, Saturday, as we head over to Louisiana Downs, let's get into the Saturday card for Louisiana. Looking at Saturday, July the 16th, another seven-race card at Louisiana. I'm always out there helping out on the broadcast before and after each and every race. Pre-race analysis, some post-race thoughts. Let's dive into race number one. I like the one Donna's court. Third start off the bench. He has shown enough speed to go wire-to-wire at six furlongs. He's won a race going seven and a half. He broke his maiden going seven and a half by seven plus lengths. So I know he's fast enough to get the lead here. And I know he can almost get the mile and 70 yard distance. 
He won by seven lengths. If he gets the lead and he's able to dictate, I think he can. Catches a field without a ton of other early speed. And he gets the rail draw in here. The one, Donna's Court. I'll be using with the six, Knight's Key. That's the horse to beat. Three straight races in a row that if he repeated those, he'd probably win this. And then the two, Unwanted Intruder. I'm going to give Wilson another shot to figure this one out. Moving along to race number two. Let's go to the two, BB Gun Bullseye. Dam was a seven-time winner, a small stakes winner. Six of eight siblings won. He's making his, she's making just her second start, and this barn is pretty good with uh, with that move. The blinks come on. She showed some early interest and was involved in the race early. I think she's got an opportunity to show some upside and step forward in a race. Just with a, a ton of question marks, there's really nobody who's shown anything proven on the track. We have a couple first-time starters that look live. I'm going to use... Really all the unproven horses, the two BB Gun Bullseye, the three Loyal to the Chief, and the four Meet Me. Moving to the third, this one kicks off the pick five, 15% low takeout. If you're looking for a pick five that is low takeout, competitive racing, turf and dirt racing, 50 cent based wager, that's what you get in the pick fours and pick fives at Louisiana. Last 10 days, 5,600. 56, 5,000, 3,500, 1,500, 2,500. That's the payouts in the pick five. Race three, we go to the turf. 10,000 claimers, non-winners of three, seven and a half furlongs on the turf. I like the seven in here. I think it's a really good spot for Sneak Peak coming off that recent win last time out. Sneak Peak's a five-year-old mare who's going to go third off the bench. Overall, some of the best turf form. She's proven at Louisiana on the turf, and she beat a next out winner, Simple Sunday. On June the 12th. The two. Empty net. Feels like the one to catch. The one gifted talent. Should have a big late rally to produce. If empty net gets pushed. Gifted talent can come running. 7-2-1 in the third. The six. The missing piece would also be no shock. If you wanted to go deeper in exotics. Fourth race. 5,000 claimers. Non-winners of three. Six and a half on the dirt course. I thought the seven in here was a single for me. In the pick four and five. Fortuna. Aduva. Jose Guerrero is going to jump aboard for Jonas Gibson. This barn's starting to really warm up. And Jose is basically an upgrade over everyone at uh, at Louisiana Downs as your leading rider. Slight cutback. Third start off the bench. This filly likes it at Louisiana. She ran up into some traffic inside. She was just behind. Then she settled. She angled around to the forepath and she was, you know, third best that day. If not for that early traffic, she may have been able to win this thing. And that's a move that Jose is really, really good at making that early move. The six horse, flat out flirty, actually outfinished Fortuna Aduva last time out. And the four, Kelly's the boss. So pretty chalky there. That's why I'll just single the seven. And the fifth race is super difficult. Mile and a 16th first level allowance on the turf. I think you have to go a, a lot of ways in here. The six, Monarch Man. If I was looking for a top selection, it would be this one. So if you wanted to build around a horse, I wouldn't talk you off here. Tons of upside on the turf. It's Wilson, Guerrero, and Davis. And the only three turf races have resulted in two wins. And then one turf race just got well beaten that day and backed up. It was a good turf course and just feels like a a turf course that they didn't like. And just put a line right through it. You've got the three outer banks who's got some sneaky turf form. Won the debut on the turf at Sam Houston. And a better than looks fourth in four turf starts to go along with the runner-up effort. Beaten only a length, uh, just over a length of Canterbury. You got the five military bearing second start off the bench. The two 
big success. The dam was a multiple stakes place runner on the turf, and she has produced a couple of winning sibs. The one, he's got this. That one wouldn't be a shock. Whitaker is a pace factor who's drawn well. It's tough. 6-3-5 over 2-1-7 if you wanted to go deeper and use in some exotics. In the sixth race, it's a Louisiana bred, non-winners of two allowing six furlongs on the dirt. There's a lot of speed in this short field, so I'm going to lean to the four, Coffee County, who can sit off nicely. Gets a great setup in here, second start off the short break. The 1A, King of Broken Hearts, showed speed last time out. That was from the rail. I think he can sit fine. He closed ground in his debut really, really nicely. And it looks like Fiery Playboy, 911 Call, and Tripper John will all be fast. Tripper John's really quick, but he's finished second eight times. Fiery Playboy draws the rail, so it might be a little tough for him. I'll use 4-1-A, and then I have the two in the third spot. Rounding out Louisiana Downs for Saturday. Let's go to race number seven. I'm looking at the number six in here who had legit trouble. That's Judgmental who got squeezed back early. Lost two or three lengths and all momentum. Came on again in between horses. And down on the inside was rolling for a really nice second. The 1A is the horse to beat. That's Sharp Charlie on the drop. The 5, Prince Perfecta. Has a good effort back in September of last year. But the layoff lines are of concern. Does take a big drop down in class though. So a barn is capable. Has one with 3 of 28 off of a long layoff similar to this. There's a look at Saturday. Louisiana Downs, good luck in all your plays. We're going to move from racing, and we're going to head on over and start talking some football. AFC North team-by-team previews. Eric joins me. We get into Baltimore. We get into Cincinnati. We get into Cleveland. We get into Pittsburgh. Talk everything going on. AFC North, each team. How? What have things been like in the offseason for them? What kind of moves have they made? Any coaching changes? What prices are they for the division for the to win it all? What's their win total? What, we dive into their schedule, strong parts, easy stretches, games to target, fantasy players that we may like, um, strengths and weaknesses for some of their units, and um, and strengths on you know. You know, we, we talk each uh, offensive line, defensive line. We get on to everything with Eric here. AFC North preview. NFL conference previews continue on. That's what G said. Eric joins us again. We head on into the AFC North. If you did not catch our preview last week, we started with the AFC East. So we went over Buffalo, New England, Miami, and the Jets. This week, we're going to talk Ravens, Bengals, Browns and Steelers Eric this this is one of the more Difficult divisions to talk about As we record this you and I are recording This on Thursday night July the 14th and so as of Right now we don't really know Exactly what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson This year and and that's We know nothing we that's what makes this Division overall and the Browns overall difficult to Really talk about there's no win totals Out for the Browns they do have Division odds out but I so let me ask you this about Deshaun Watson. Um, what do you think he should be suspended for? And realistically, what you think? What do you think is going to happen? I don't think he should play. I think he should be out for the whole year. I think he and should what? be suspended for the whole year. I think he will be suspended for half. So I would say eight games. You know, okay. eight. I'd say eight-ish games. 
well, how about you? Same question. What do you think? What uh, and what would you like? What would you do? Like, what should he be? What do you think? Um, I think he should be suspended for the whole year, but I keep on going back to the fact that Greg Hardy did what he did and it was 10 games and then it got reduced to four. So part of me thinks it's going to be in the four to six range. Yeah. So that, that, I mean, that, like, that, that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. And for my cap and the play out of how I think the, their season's going to go. That's how you're I, looking at it. I look, I'm looking at it for four games just because okay. like I'm basing it on what happened with Greg Hardy. I know it's two different things. And what but, Deshaun Watson did was awful. What? But you're you're Hardy you're being a court you're being the court of law right here, yeah. right? You're you're yeah. using precedent. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that makes total that's, sense. That's kind of yeah. how. That's kind of like my thought process with how mm-hmm. I cap the Browns. Yeah, and that that makes total sense. So as as we get to the Browns, when we talk about that, that's sort of how Eric will look at it. I'm gonna look at it a little bit bigger. So my my handicap will be probably a little more leaned towards uncertainty and maybe looking at them as getting mediocre to below average quarterback play. And we'll talk all about the Brownies in a moment. Let's start with the Ravens because they are actually favored to win this division. Eric, the Baltimore Ravens have an over under of nine and a half and it's like minus 170 on the, uh, on the over side. Baltimore did really seem to beef up their secondary quite a bit. Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Fuller added some other depth in there. They are probably one of the deeper secondaries. They also made a nice trade, traded Marquise Brown. They're going to have some question marks at the wide receivers. um, But in that trade, they brought in a really good prospect, someone I know who you're pretty high on, uh, and you can uh, talk a little more about the kid Lindenbaum. And... So some real positives of, of what they did in the offseason And just add that to the fact that they were really banged up last year They lost a lot of close games without Lamar This team was not far away from looking a lot better last year So with those acquisitions, with a good foundation Their offensive line is a little bit better too I feel like this team could be very, very good this year And I, I really like the way their schedule sh- shakes out I absolutely love this team this year. Um, I locked them in at, um, excuse me, I locked them in at 21 to 1 to win it all. Um, You touched on their wide receiver position. It's going to be interesting to see if they do go out and do sign a free agent. I mean, I know a veteran free agent. I know, and I'm not saying like these guys are going to be like needle movers, but we need to remember The same thing happened to him like six, seven years ago. They needed a veteran wide receiver. That Andrew uh, was named Bolden, the guy that used to play for the Cardinals with Larry Fitzgerald. Good signing, you know, just kind of like a veteran. Antoine Bolden, yeah. A guy, you know, just a veteran wide receiver. You know, I I know Julio Jones, uh, type like uh, Hilton. um, I think like Alan Hearns. Just someone like that, like an Almadola, yep. um, OBJ. Yeah, you're right. You know, even like a Sanu, like somebody like that, someone they just need to get catch like 50 balls, you know, mm-hmm. that just can, can kind of come in, help out a little bit. I think that would be huge for them. Offensive line, you know, Ronnie Staley is going to be back, which is huge. 
They brought back Morgan Moses, who graded very high per PFF and run blocking. They brought in, they drafted Tyler Linderbaum, highest rated center. I had him as the second highest offensive lineman in the draft. And when you spend draft capital this high in a center, this, it's got to be special because usually this is usually a third round pick at most. Um, you know, we talked about Lamar. They were eight and three when Lamar played. They lost five of six games when he didn't, losing by a total of nine. So I know there's a lot of stuff like whatever social media is talking about, a top 10 quarterback list. But we can kind of definitely see the trajectory of their season change when Lamar wasn't there. I know he's got his deficiencies as a, as a thrower of the football and everything, but he wins games. And that's, that's a big thing in this league. They did have the 20, they were 25th in turnovers, but that's what happens when you play a backup quarterback. When you play a backup quarterback, you're going to be turning the ball over more. Uh, and you know what? The- he's, he's not even that bad. In, and I mean that in moving. And what I like about him moving forward is that he is very similar to, he's a Lamar light, right? In that he's, he's an athletic quarterback who is on the move. So it's not as if, if Lamar gets hurt, they have to change their whole offense and everything. They can do a lot of the same stuff that they run. If you have Lamar, you can't have a, a backup quarterback that's, you know, a, a straight up quarterback that can't move because then everything you do is going to be different. So there are just a lot of little things about them that I like this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, you mentioned the additions to the secondary, but they also signed Michael Pierce for the D-line, which yeah. is absolutely huge. Um, they promoted Mike McDowell to the D.C. This means less blitzing. We need to remember they're sixth in the NFL in blitzing. McDowell, McDowell prefers more situational blitz packages. Uh, Martindale, their old D.C., would allow players to audible. That, that's not going to be the case. Uh, when I was looking at this stuff, McDowell said he's going to be calling everything. He's not going to let anything change pre-snap. He said maybe he would consider it at the end of the season, but it kind of sounds like he's going to be a little controlling to try to keep everything, um, you know what I mean, in check with how he wants it to do. And another thing that the Ravens do is they play at one of the slowest paces of the league. Harbaugh, very old school. He believes in letting his defense rest. So you can definitely look for a lot of unders for these games, especially the second time they play teams. Uh, you know, they're getting Dobbins back. They're getting Gus Edwards back. They're getting all their running backs back from the AC, from those ACL injuries. And you also mentioned, like, the secondary. They were pulling people off of Walmart. Like, to play last year. a practice player that was working at Walmart. They, and so think like, about that. They're, so you know, they're, they're playing? pulling people from regular nine to five jobs. And they're still, you know, the com- and, and they they're were still, still in games. competitive in games with no secondary, no offensive line, no quarterback, and no running back. All their running backs were banged up. Yeah, it's that was, just, it was incredible it, how competitive they were in a lot of those games when you look back at them afterwards. They, they should have beat Pittsburgh twice. And what they tried to go for it, right? Both, both times, I think. Both times they tried to go for it. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of. I'm not a big Hollywood Brown guy. I no, me neither. He, I mean, he, he. That's 146 targets. I know, like the stuff about stretching the field he, and getting open, and, and that's, that's true. Remember the Lions game? Like, how many drop TDs did that kid have in yep. the Lions game? And you know, dude, so, ba- Bateman may be better than him. We don't even know, right? Bateman, they they may have better receivers right now in their group. They may not, but it's not as if 
Hollywood Brown was unbelievable. He just was a little bit better. He was more proven than what you have right now. Yeah, that, that's that's a fair statement, but that doesn't mean he's better. Bateman might be better. Bateman last year was banged up early to start, and then most of his snaps came with Huntley. He didn't even get to play with Lamar a whole lot last year. No, not at all. That's not. Let's not forget. I got my boy uh, Duvernay back there. Who's a, yeah. Who's a stud? Who's a stud? I like that kid a lot. They got some talent back there, but like I said, like if they just sign like a veteran wide receiver, someone to get forty passes, fifty yep. passes. Someone who gets cut on. off a bad team yeah. early, you know, who yeah. just gets released. How about someone like what was the, um, the guy from Carolina that was mad, but he probably won't be Robbie Anderson, you know, just like a guy, just anyone that's that can get out there that can make some plays for them would would really really help. Um, yeah, their their backs are going to be a little bit better. And you know what? They've got Dobbins, Gus Edwards. They actually got Mike Davis and Tyler Bedee. Back there, so nobody's like a number one incredible, but they're really deep, which is what that's all they care about. Their their backfield is going to be awful from like a fantasy standpoint. You never really want much of these guys, or it's going to be hard early on to determine rules. But they're they're just going to be like next man up, you know? Yeah, like just keep running it. I think they are the only team in the NFL that's averaged over two rushing yards before contact per attempt over the last three seasons. They just consistently run, run. This is the run. most, this has been the best rushing game ever the last three years. Yep. Um, so they're going to run the ball. A uh, couple of like Pittsburgh, who was awful last year against the run. They made some adjustments. It's going to be interesting to see if they could still have that success, but. Harbaugh's been in wars. We need to remember this. Um, this is something Jim and I talked about during the college football stuff. When you have these coaches like a Harbaugh, who's been there forever, he's been in wars with Belichick, push comes to shove, this is just a guy you can trust. He had practice-level players, and he went. He lost by one game to the team that won the Super Bowl. Just let that sit in. He was yeah. in a position with no offensive line, a backup quarterback, no running backs, no secondary with people from the practice squad back there. And they could have beat the Rams. They lost by one point at the end of the season. That's pretty much all you need to know about this team. So Harbaugh is ranked by pro football focus, the number two overall head coach in the league. Um, they, um, Harbaugh. I mean, Dan Campbell is not in the top five that list. Harbaugh is <laughs> oh, Dan, Dan Campbell, the Lions coach. Your boy, your boy, <laughs> your boy, Harbaugh. Actually, you know what? I think a lot of the, you know, the, actually, no, the first time coaches they don't have, but guys with small sample sizes, they did. But Harbaugh yeah. was two. He has a great sample size. His teams are plus 90 points scored a season on the offensive side, which is ranked two out of 26 coaches. And on the defensive side, his teams have, had a negative 11 point differential which is fourth out of 26. So they're always plus on the on the offensive side, always negative on the defensive side, which is just fantastic. Um really good field position. I mean, they they look like they have a really nice schedule this year too, Eric. Now, they they do have a couple of spots that where they could be weak. Um 
the middle of the field, right? They need to get more from their linebackers. They were expecting a lot from Patrick Queen, and he's been really disappointing. Got a, t- a tiny bit better towards the end of last year, but they need a, a step up from him. That middle part of their defense is where they could be weak, because so they may need to lean on their secondary or kind of scheme things up a little bit to take advantage of that secondary, that really good secondary, a little more. But you know, they've got they're, after the bye. Their schedule is really soft. They they go Carol, uh, Carolina at Jacksonville, Denver at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, Atlanta, and then Pittsburgh and at Cincinnati. I mean, those are all winnable games after the bye. Yeah, every uh, every one of them. Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville is Jacksonville is coming off of a bye. Um, so the, that's a spot that you're going to probably target to play Jacksonville yeah, at know, some points. I know the rumor is kind of like. It's kind of hit or miss. Like some people think Jacksonville is going to be it this year. Some people are against it. I think they're going to be pretty good this year, a lot better than they were last year. Um, so I would kind of look to look to fade them, you know, right uh, right there. Uh, the Cleveland game, you know, it's kind of again. I'm projecting it that Watson is going to be starting there just based on what happened with Hardy. Uh, the Atlanta game, I'm telling you, like. When you when we when we talk about Atlanta and rewatching them, I think that could be a tricky spot too, just because it's yeah. Look where it is. Like it's a get. Like they have Cleveland at the road, then they go Atlanta, then they have Pittsburgh. And well, you have it's Cincy. it's it's Atlanta it's, is in yeah. the middle of four other divisional games. Yeah. Right. So you got two games on the road, Atlanta, and then you're home for Pittsburgh. You close at Cincinnati. So you play all of your division. Right there with just this weird Atlanta game on Christmas Eve, and I'm you know, you, like, that's a that's a that's a sleepy I don't spot. Sound like an, Ar- an Arthur Smith Homer, but when I did my dive in Atlanta and I looked at the Falcons, how this guy was able to do what he did with that team with that team with Cordell Rell Patterson being with, their only playmaker and the the corpse of Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley nowhere, Matt Ryan not being able to do anything. You know, and I don't mean to make this a Falcons podcast, but, you know, they got a marble quarterback. They got some big wide receivers on the outside. So I think it, I think that's a kind of a spot you can look to fade them to. So there's just a couple situational spots. I know they'll probably be laying points in week six on the road against the Giants, but the Giants are doing the Dolphins. They're not taking the bye after the London game, which makes zero sense to me because they play 830 in their biological clock, East East Coast clock. Out in um, out in London, so I'll probably look to take the Ravens right there, even though it's in the sandwich spot. You know, it's just the travel by the Giants and the first year coach. So I mean, that's kind of like the three spots I have circled for the Ravens this year. Yeah, the the key I think portion of their schedule um, for me is weeks two through five, where they play a Miami team, and we don't really know what to expect from Miami. Then they go at New England. Where not an easy game to play Then you come home And you've got Buffalo and Cincinnati Who both could be very good And you know you come out of that stretch Just splitting and going two and two You're in really nice shape You go three and one or four and oh Then all of a sudden this team could be Very very good I've got them winning like 12 games or so Eric I like the schedule for them I think they win the division and and I've got them at 12 I'm going 12 and five Um, You know I have them I mean, I have them losing to Cincinnati. 
on the week five. I have them losing to Tampa on week eight. Uh, I have them losing at Jacksonville on the 27th. I have the, I actually have them losing against the Falcons and then losing on the road to end the season at uh, at Cincinnati. Those are the five losses I have. Yeah, it's, and some of them for me is it's kind of like sometimes I'll look at like little stretches of games and yeah. say, I think they're going to lose one of these two. You know, yeah. like I think they'll come out of this one and one. And that's sort of what I did in almost in a lot of the spots that you have. Or I would sort of look at one of the games next to it and say, I think they'll win one and lose one. And I, I was yeah. right right there at uh, at 12 and five also. So, yeah, they, they um, you know, 20 plus to one or so to win the Super Bowl. That's what you had them at. That's a great price for a team that we think could be a team to at least win the division and be battling for home field advantage and a possible buy. And last year, let's not remember, like last year, it was like, who's it going to be? The Ravens or the Chiefs? That's mm-hmm. all the talk was. And then the Ravens season just completely fell off the wheels. So it's they're they're due for a better season with the people coming back and the players they added. Eric, they're favored at like what is it about plus one forty to win the division? See, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, like right I'm not. There, no, I would. I, I wouldn't would play never. them. No, I would I wouldn't play I would never play a team like that at a short number to win the division. I'm just saying I think that's what the number is, right? They're slightly favored over the Bengals to win the division. Yeah, very slight very slightly favored over the over the Bengals. I mean the the one thing like if that was to to make the playoffs and that that's something that I'm so looking forward to doing with you again here on um on Thursdays during the season is finding those, oh, boom, I like this team to make the playoffs because of the schedule run. But at 140 to win the division, nah, I I can't do that. Okay, so we just uh, as we're recording too, there's a little. Uh, they just said that uh, the little basketball tidbit before we move on to the the Bengals. So they did. Uh, the Suns did match the the Aiton. Um, and which, you know why that's big because they can't they can't trade him for a year. Fifteenth, no, January fifteenth. Fifteenth with fifteenth, if he agrees, a year. He has a no trade, an actual no trade clause for a year. So if the, he doesn't want to get traded, he's he can't. They can't even trade him in on the fifteenth. So that that definitely takes them out of Durant, and it put them in a weird spot because if you're the Suns, you have to do it because you can't just lose him for nothing. You have to at least yeah, have him. Yeah, the Pacers asset. have been trying to work out a sign and trade. Suns have been working on Durant. Pacers just said f it and just offered yeah. him the contract because they just wanted to move on with it. And it's kind of like Durant's holding everything up as crazy as it sounds. Durant needs to decide like what he wants to do. Um, I don't know. It's kind of the whole NBA right now. Everything that's going on is interesting. Like there was the big rumor that Pistons were going to make a play, but the kid from Memphis slid to him in the draft, which was a home run. Is that kid I think is going to be a legit big man in the league. So the Pistons backed off of him. Um, Pacers at Turner, they're trying to work out a side and trade. Like if, if you're the Suns and you're getting Turner back in a side and trade, how do you not do that? And plus how the salaries match up, I think Turner's only makes 18. Why wouldn't you do that? Cause Turner, I, I, I like Turner. Former. I like Turner I a lot. Yeah. He, it he doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't like, sometimes you got to sit back. It doesn't make sense. Like what these, what the Suns are trying to do, unless there's like some weird trade working out in the background that we don't know about. So, I, yeah, I just 
Yeah, so know. now they're... The whole thing just didn't make sense. And with how long everything was lasting, it made me think, like, these agents were working in the background to get it done. But then when the Pacers just said F it, Pacers may have just blew everything up that was going to happen. We just don't know about it yet. Yeah, because this... So yeah, that that'll that could possibly have some dominoes in the uh, in the NBA. We'll uh we'll see what happens in the next few days. Little NBA check in real quick before we head on over to the Bengals. Their over under is also nine and a half, not quite as juiced. I'm seeing like one twenty ish or so, a minus one twenty. The Bengals did improve some of their weaknesses. Their offensive line. Is a lot better, no doubt about it And I think they did a really good job Of bringing in some offensive line pieces That they didn't have to spend a whole heck of a lot on Major positives there Um, They found starters at center, right guard, and right tackle And Lyle Collins, they brought him in All three of these guys are coming off of good years Major positives Now the left guard spot could be a possible weak spot. We'll keep an eye on Jackson Carmen over there. It's for them, their offense is incredible as far as playmakers. Burrow was really good. Mixon coming off of a, a really nice year. He's becoming one of the the more steady, like like workhorse running backs in the league. Their wide receivers are ranked the number one group of wide receivers by pro football focus. They did probably lose a little bit with Uzoma. Because they don't get as much from Hayden Hurst or Drew Sample from a receiving standpoint. Offensive line is good. I'm just a little. I think we both are. I'm. I'm not impressed by their defense or scared by it at all. It's. It's not like it should be awful, but it. I don't think it's going to even really be above average. Yeah, the defense does lack a little bit to uh, to get excited about. Um, you know, they did lose Larry Obatree, who. You know, that hurts the run game immensely. He was their best best run stopper. Um, they were – oh, I'm trying to find where my stat is. They were – last season, they blitzed the 26th the most in the league, only 20%, but created the 14th most pressures. Will the D-line be able to keep up that insane rate because they, because they always drop seven in the coverage? Their defensive line did a phenomenal job of creating pressure last year. And when you create pressure, it makes the quarterback uneasy. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that again this year, just to be honest with you. And that's my big worry. They really didn't address anything. Like they didn't get like a dynamic pass rusher, even like took a chance on a pass rusher in the draft. Offensive line gave up 30 sacks. Um, So adding those three guys are big, especially with Burroughs history of the knee injury. Bengals were 20th in pass attempts and 7th in yards. That was because of the hot routes to chase when they, they were blitzed. So I think that's going to come down. I think this offense with the improved offensive line is going to look to be a little bit more, you know what I mean, a little bit more run happy. They were they played at the third slowest mm-hmm. pace. And with improvements to the offensive line, I think Mig, Mixon's in line for – like a pretty solid season when they're um, when they were um, in the in the league, they played at the at the slowest pace. This team just they like to sit on the ball, run the ball. Uh, Burrow, Burrow, well, eighty six led the NFL in catchable balls. He was throwing dimes last year, but when you play so good, there's a lot of like recession stuff. 
I think and it's it, like you were saying day. efficiency. They were so efficient with the long passes, right, to the wide yeah. receivers. With that that type of efficiency is really difficult to replicate. So they had eight touchdowns on throws twenty plus yards, and they were third in receivers in yards after the catch. So you know, excuse me, that was Chase. Chase alone. Eight touchdowns on 20 plus yards downfield He was third in wide receivers in yards after the catch And it's just hard to continue that They have really good options at wide receiver And I think offensively they're going to be fine You were hitting on it too with, with Mixon Why I also like him is I think this team's defense isn't going to be great They have a really good offense So they should be in a lot of competitive high scoring games Where Mixon should have a lot of opportunities to get into the end zone and they play slow too. When you play a team that's slow, you always want the running back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he was a little bit of a factor in the passing game. Uh, yeah, I think he's lined up to have a great season. Uh, Chase, it's unrealistic to kind of see what he's gonna do. Uh, Tyler Boyd kind of got zeroed out toward the end of the season. Uh, Higgins only really does good against teams that play. Uh, they don't they don't blitz. Uh, it's kind of the DFS play is when the team blitzes, you play Chase. When it doesn't blitz, you play Higgins. That's kind of what it was last year. But we need to remember Chase, Burrow, Mixon, and Higgins. All their contracts kind of come up at the same time. So this window isn't as big as everyone else is making it out to be. And I kind of think what the GM did kind of looking at it was like, look, if Burrow's not down and out, we have no chance. And that's why they did did put all the attention on the offensive line to at least give themselves a chance to protect Burrow because in a couple of years, they're going to have to, they have Higgins and Chase and Burrow all and Mixon all coming up and they can't afford all four. Now let's dive into their schedule a little bit. They open up at, uh, against Pittsburgh. They play that game in Cincy. Then weeks two through six are, are pretty tough. I mean, at Dallas, at the Jets, and in that stretch, they also have games at Baltimore, at New Orleans. So they have four out of five games on the road. And the only home game is against a Miami team that's sort of a wild card. And that's on a short week. After having back-to-back road games, you come home, you play Miami, then you've got two road games following that. And one of them at Baltimore. So it's not an. they have talent. I just don't think they're going to be a team that we saw in the Super Bowl last year and will and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that they're going to be able to take like a big leap forward based on last year. I think if anything, they could be similar when it comes to record as last year, but I don't think they're going to be this overwhelming juggernaut of a team and and looking at the schedule, you know, there are a lot of tough spots. I mean, they end they end the year at Tampa, at New England, home against Buffalo, home against Baltimore. Yeah, it's huh. a, it's a brutal part of the season. I when I was at, I don't know, like something tells me there's certain. We need to remember they did lose to the Jets on the road last year. Yeah, uh, but you know, so I it's kind of like there are certain spots. I mean, I think the spot that's just a hammer spot is Week Twelve at Tennessee. I mean, I think that's the the hammer spot of hammer spots. You have you have the revenge spot for Tennessee, but more importantly, excuse me. Tennessee is coming off of an absolute huge 
they have like 10 days because they play a Thursday game. So that's kind of a spot. One thing that I did find really interesting, um, and it started, it started, uh, when did it start? When they, when did they play KC? Cause I think that's when it started. Um, you last oh, year. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll pull it up, but, but keep talking. I'll pull it up. Go ahead. Um, what Taylor did was he would talk to Burrow as long as he could. And then five seconds left, you know, the mic cuts out. What he started doing, it was either during the KC game or after So it was week KC 17. Game. It was the second to last game of the year. Last okay, year. then that's, that's not the game. Excuse me. Hold on. It was after they lost to the 49ers. He started okay. doing it. So that's like week 14. Then they yeah. went on three-game win yeah. stretch right after that. They won at Denver. They beat he, Baltimore. And they beat KC. So what Taylor did was he talked to Burrow in his helmet. He would call the play, and then that was it. He stopped talking to him when the defensive stuff was going on. And when that started happening, that's when they went on this run. They just kind of let, let – he let Burrow make the decisions. And it's going to be interesting to see if he does that again this year. You know what I mean? Because it was yep. kind of like, okay, we just lost the 49ers. You know, the, we were up in this game. I got a little too passive. You know, I'm going to let my quarterback go in there, and I'm going to let him audible. I'm just going to tell him to play, and I'm going to give him some freedom. And it worked out. That's when they started to go on their runs. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he gives Burrow that much freedom or is he just doing it to change it up? Um, will the disguises that Burrow – what is the next level that defenses bring to the table mm-hmm. to disguise Burrow and everything? Um, but, yeah, I just I just don't trust their defense. It's a feel um, thing with them too. It's like it, you feel like – Last year was sort of their chance Not not as if they're never going to get back there Right, Burrow's young, but last year Was like a big step maybe ahead of where They should have been Cleveland was was banged up Baltimore was banged up Pittsburgh was on the last year Roethlisberger was awful It was a really Like a perfect storm of things to happen For Cincy They got in to the playoffs Once they got in, they had the best draw Possible in the AFC where they didn't They had to play a Raiders team that we didn't really Know much of then they went on the road And played a, a Tennessee team that didn't Really feel like a number one seed They only had to play either one Of KC or Buffalo Everything was breaking well for them Last year yeah. and now And then you lose in the Super Bowl and, and there's this that, that hangover a little bit Where you come back and it's like how, what What's Improvement for this team this year Only winning the Super Bowl Right, it's not like it's not like they won one playoff game last year, and now they feel really good about like you made it all the way there. You had the lead, and you lost. Like anything but getting back there feels feels like a disappointment. That's not really how it is, but that's sort of it's a weird way to feel coming off of the Super Bowl loss. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different. It's definitely a little bit different, especially when like you factor in everything that they've added to. So. I don't know, like, and you would think about it. Two out of the two out of the last ten teams that have lost in the Super Bowl, you know, haven't gone over their total the, the following season. Only two um, have. Only two have. Only two right, you're saying, have. yeah. So, so, yep. It's just one of those things. Yep. See, we see it in baseball too. It's just you. What you want to do? You start the year over, and it's like all of a sudden you're playing in these games, and they're tough, but you just kind of want to. Like simulate the whole season and get back to the Super Bowl and or get back to the World Series so you can do it all over again. There's this little bit of anxiety and it's sort of hard for you to settle in a little bit. Offensively, could be awesome, should be awesome. Defensively, if they're 
if they're like just average on defense, then they may be better than we think. If they're like if they're solid on defense, they could be really good. But if their defense is kind of how we're projecting, then I don't know how much more than like average to a uh, slightly above average they could be even with a really really awesome offense because the schedule is tough. It's not easy and and we have uh, we have some questions about this division. So that is uh Cincy, any last uh, thoughts on uh, the Bengals? Um yeah, I just don't I just, you know what I mean? It's just I feel under things, too. Man. I would definitely go you under know, the nine and a half wins. I did bet. I did bet the under. I did bet yeah. the under. So yeah. Let's move to the Brownies. As we said, it's tough to talk about Cleveland because we don't really know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Eric thinks it might be in the four to six game range. I'm thinking maybe eight, closer to about half the season. So I, I if Eric says four to six, I'll say more like you know six to eight ish in that range. Now. Looking at their schedule, you know, they have some really winnable games. I asked you this when we did the Better Than Vegas preview. It's not as if you're the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but if this group had Baker and they started the season at Carolina, then they had home games for the Jets and Pittsburgh, then they go at Atlanta, you know, that feels like probably three or four wins, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, but you never know what you're going to get with Baker, though. You know what I mean? You just never... You just never no. know. Um, more, more of more of and and more so of just any team. Let's and let's take Baker out of the equation. Let's say any quarterback that's like at his level, you know, just coming back for their team instead of having to have a new quarterback come in, learn everything. If you were just a team that was able to bring everybody back with the start of this season, you would be in a really nice spot. But now we just don't. We can so both no. assume that even if Watson doesn't get a big suspension, it's got to be like at least a few games to start the year, right? I mean, these first few weeks, he's not going to be there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm, I, I did four to six. You know, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm banking on. Um, with that being said, like, uh, they go seven and ten with Watson misses four to six. Um, yeah. Just looking at it. Um, with Mayfield playing. Or with uh, Watson, Carolina. with Watson. Pl- oh yeah, okay. No, no. With Mayfield well, playing in Carolina Mayf- in week one. Yep, I I have him losing that game. Because if Baker's I, got anything yeah. in the tank, he's got to get a big Woody for this game, right? Yep, yep. I have him beating the Jets, and now keep in mind, I'm capping that Watson is out for four here. I have him losing their next two games, so I have him one and three. Um, Chargers come to town. I have him winning that one. Losing their next two and then beating the Bengals, so I have them one, two, I have them three, three wins after the bye, and that figures with Watson suspended for four. And then and you know, that, yeah, and that and that game against uh, the Chargers, Chargers gave up the third most rushing yards last year. They did bring up Austin Johnson and Joseph Day and the interior to kind of help with that. Cleveland spit that game out against yeah. them last year too, right? Didn't they? Yeah. They yeah. had they were up yeah. and then they got they spit that one out. Yeah. And what I what I'm saying is like if they like even if Brissett is there, I you know what I mean? Like with if Brissett's there, that number is gonna be inflated. And if the Chargers are really struggling stopping the run, you know what I mean? There's there's value there. There's gonna be even in, in, increased value there. Uh if Watson's there, I mean, of course you're gonna do it because Watson being there is gonna open up you know, some more RPO things. He's going to open up 
some more play action things. And don't get it wrong. I think what Watson did I is awful. I mean, one of my good friends played in the NBA. All the years he played in the NBA, his masseuse traveled with him. And you're telling me this guy is like going to 20 different masseuses in his hometown. Just kind of think back and think about it. Uh, their, their offensive line, they released J.C. Telter, who is one of the best, if not the best, blocking centers. He's going to be replaced by Nick Harris. Harris only played 68 snaps, allowed zero stat, zero sacks during that time. But that's still that's still zero sacks. You know what I mean? Uh, bigger issue is will their tackles, Conklin and Willis, Willis be able to stay healthy for the whole year? Uh, Watson, the key thing with Watson is when when he played, he was third best in play action passes with the Browns having one of the best often one of the best running games. They only were like 21st in play action passing last year. If Watson does play, I really think that's going to be a big uptick. Also, I think we're going to see some more RPOs if Watson does play. Um, you know, I they got it. They, okay. Thing. They, one thing we've been we've been harping on for years now, Chubb, Hunt is a good back. Dearness Johnson's a solid back. Those guys are fine. They're not Nick Chubb. And because you have other guys that are good for the for being backups. Like, they're slotted high for a backup, right? Kareem Hunt could go somewhere and be an RB1, but he's not as good as Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is one of the best, if not the best, pure running backs between the tackles. He's the type of guy, Eric, that you need to hand the ball to over and over because he wears you down so much. Though Even if you give him two handoffs that he gets for one yard, one yard, that's wearing the defense down, and he's going to break one soon for 10. For 12 yeah. right after that he you know they averaged uh with with him they've averaged 4.8 yards per designed run over the past two seasons with Kevin Stefanski that's tied for the highest in the league with the Ravens now the offensive line is back is should be back should be healthy when they are together they are awesome they weren't healthy last year though I mean this is a really talented team when you go Unit by unit they don't have a whole ton Of weaknesses maybe like the middle Part of their defense with some Of the linebackers and maybe the the Interior front and then Maybe the wide receivers A little unproven we know they did make The trade for Amari Cooper which should help Great running backs Really good secondary good edges Or at least very very Good playmaking type edge You've got awesome backfield Really good offensive line when they're healthy Question marks in a few spots, but a pretty talented roster top to bottom. Talented roster top to bottom. Secondary, I'm a little worried if they're going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, one thing, they lost they're like a high, Cooper. they're a high yeah. variant secondary. Yeah. They're, they if lost. healthy, could be awesome. One or two pieces missing or one or two guys don't have their best. Then all of a sudden, like they, they we kind of saw last year they were, Supposed to be a lot better than they were One or two pieces missing And then they struggled a little bit So I agree with you I could see like I could see any range For where their secondary ends up this year And yeah I mean there's not Yeah you gotta give it a little margin Of um of error With what, what happens there If they can stay healthy Austin Hooper I think that's gonna be a sneaky thing That hurts the passing game They have David Njoku And David Njoku has never really lived up to the hype Austin Hooper is not there anymore Neither is Jarvis Landry, who are really big on. 
Uh, I think Cooper's going to stretch the field a little bit more. That opens up stuff for the kid Bell underneath. But yeah, it's a real. It's going to be interesting to see what it what happens with Watson. Like I said, one of my best friends in the world played I mean, NBA over ten years, and he traveled with his personal masseuse. You know what I mean? And this guy's getting twenty some odd masseuses in his hometown. And how it just do you? Doesn't make sense. Like and, something's. And what's What's hard is that if if the best version of Deshaun Watson playing football showed up and played quarterback for this team, I mean, they're a better team than they are with Baker Mayfield. They're a very, very good football team. We got to keep in mind that one, we may, that version of Deshaun Watson may not exist anymore for a few reasons. I mean, we haven't seen him play football for a full year and it could be like a full year and additional games Two, We don't really know how this Roster and this locker room feels about him You know maybe they didn't like Baker maybe they did who knows This is kind of a little bit different This guy might be a really bad guy And have done some bad stuff I, I don't I don't know if if These guys are going to go to going to want to go to battle With or for him and maybe I'm completely Wrong but I do just think that We can't necessarily just automatically Pencil Deshaun Watson Back in to be one of the Top quarterbacks like he was a few years ago, even when they were really bad in Houston, he still was playing and producing like one of the top QBs. Maybe he is, but it's, I, I don't think it's a for sure. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. He hasn't played for over a year plus whenever he goes back on the field. Um, and that hurts because you can't do what you used to be able to do. You're another year older. And yeah, it's just, you just don't know what you're going to get. You honestly just don't know what you're going to get with him. Um, it should be, I think their defense should be fine um, with the pieces they have and they can stay healthy. Uh, but if they don't have Watson for the whole year, I mean, geez, do they? I mean, hypothetically, let's say they don't have Watson for the whole year. Just hypothetically. I have them at six to seven do, wins. Seven wins. No, no. Hypothetically, they don't have Watson. Do they make a move? Do you contact, like, Drew Brees if he wants to come out of retirement? You know, just to be, you know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. No, no, Philip Rivers was the one that people were yeah, talking about last yeah, year's too. Someone who some, some, some or like you'd like get you like wherever Nick Foles is. I don't know where Nick Foles is off the I agree, of right? Who you think so about like some of the backups like that. that are out there that are really close, maybe. Um, you know, you know who you could have used is a guy like a uh, Baker Mayfield, right? That would be so just you know, like we're literally talking about a guy like Baker who is a backup that is maybe like a one of the better backups. Not a great starter or a fantastic starter, but someone who you don't need a whole lot from, you know, and, and with this running game, if they're healthy and the offensive line stays healthy, all the person back there needs to do is just give them a little, a little wrinkle. That's all. Just yeah. be able be more than be than run the option, honestly, right? Like hit, make some passes here and there. This is the type of running game that can tell you, hey, we're going to run and you still can't stop them. When they're operating right So yeah, it's You know we'll see and this I think this is a big Year for Stefanski right you And I you in particular You started to to point me To this where you were disappointed On his play calling against the Chiefs a couple years ago and thought that he may have Cost them a little bit there and And, and some of the stuff with Chubb And then last year I thought Who knows what was going on with him and Baker If they liked each other if they didn't Whatever the case was I don't think he Even when they were banged up I don't think he did a a great job Game to game 
in even in game situations, they had very winnable games that they were playing where he was trying to get a little too cute with stuff. This is a big year for him because third year now, do you overachieve this year? Can you rally this team together where they're not going to have a starting quarterback throughout the year? And then can you have this guy come back and show that you are supposed to be this offensive guru or are you just a coach that was okay? You had one good year and maybe you're nothing special. Yeah. Like we really don't know what we're going to get, but let's, uh, let's rewind back to um, last year. 41, what was it? 41 17 against yeah. the, the Bengals. I mean, that game was over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this team is good. They're, they're good when they. capable when everything's going, when everything's going, but it kind of just seems to me like. They're like front runnery. Right? Exactly. Yeah, they're like a front runner. A little, a little adversity. One thing goes wrong, and then the floodgates yeah. open for them. They can't. Handle it. and that you know what that comes down to leadership, right? When, yeah. If you look around and you've got some stability there and a leader, those kind of collapses don't happen. When yeah. you don't, it becomes volatile. You have games like that where you look awesome, and then you have you know, you have games like the playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, two think years about ago. they they beat the Bengals 41, Crushed them. 41 to 16. Okay, then they the following week, they lost to the Patriots forty-five to seven. Yep. Uh, then they beat the Lions thirteen to ten. Lost at the Ravens sixteen to ten. You know, then then beat the Ravens. They lost that game against the Raiders. Remember both of remember the- that game against the Raiders and the Packers. They should have won both yeah. of those games. The Packers game, they were driving. Nick Chubb was running it down. Their throat, and they they threw a terrible sure. pass that they didn't need to that forced an interception. Yeah, it was just it was brutal. But I believe like four, five, six. They were still right there. They were still right there yeah. going into the last two weeks. Yeah, but I mean they're in a position to like I think if they that Steelers game all the Monday night the game, game at Pittsburgh. Them. Yep, because Baker came back for that game. If they yeah, would have won that, that game, game they could have been they could have made the playoffs. Still, or you know, be, beat the Raiders. You know, that game that was like funky. It was like the early, it was the early game on Monday, and Nick Mullins was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. They had um, like no a bunch yeah, of missing yeah. offense, offensive yeah. linemen, and they still were in that game. And he was goofy with the play calling again there. You know, and then the Packers game hit on the head. The Steelers game was just just effing weird. Yeah, and it wasn't. They, it was. It wasn't. As bad as it looked It it looks like you know 26-14 they lost But it was close And then there was like a late turnover That made that yeah, game just, seem It was just a weird Just a weird 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 season for them They had last year Let's move to the final of the four teams In the AFC North The Pittsburgh Steelers Who will be playing without Big Ben No Ben Roethlisberger The start of a new era Their win total Seven and a half over under so oh real quick yeah this is like my you know i asked you this last night don't you just find it weird cream hunt has had six this is great all to on his, the right all leg his, all to the right leg it's like what the nfl all to the, the same leg it's just mind-boggling to me that he said that many all to the same leg when you just kind of sit down and think about it what's so. what's what but that what that side of your body right are you like 
You know, it's funny. Well, I mean, like, we've seen it where it's like, you know, you have that soft tissue massage, soft <laughs> tissue injury. You don't come back from it properly, and it just kind of marinates and keeps going to something else, something else, something else, something else. Maybe that's what happened with them. It, it reminds me, tell me if this is anything close. Wherever I, where I sit and do some of my work sometimes uh, by my front door in my house, I'll sit out there, especially when it gets like later on, because I can open the door right there. I get a nice cool breeze, a little cooler, and I'll watch whatever's going on TV. And I, I'm, I'm sitting right there. And uh, what ends up happening sometimes when I'm out, when I'm doing that earlier in the day, is I don't realize that my left arm is sort of hanging outside, and so the sun comes on my arm on the left side, but not on my right side. So if you look at my arms, my left arm is like really tan. And my my right arm is like not even close to the same shade. Is there something like that happening to Kareem Hunt? He got, he got some weird, like, this is so bizarre for him. Only injuries on the right side. It's it's nuts. So like, I'm like the man without, like, I look like I've got a different, I'm wearing like two different colored t-shirts with my left arm and my right arm. Because one's like really dark and the other one's not quite. So um, Hunt. We're gonna find out in the end of training camp that it's like a, a right left pinky toe that uh, yeah, that's gonna be hurt. <laughs> so let's move to Pittsburgh and finish up here with the Steelers. The uh, this uh, they're over under seven and a half. No Big Ben, so they bring in Mitch Trubisky and they bring in the rookie quarterback. So it'll be Kenny Pickett or Mitch, likely Mitch at the initially. This team has some pieces on the defensive side. You were kind of pointing out when we talked yesterday that overall their defense may not be quite as good as people maybe want to project it to be, or maybe still living on a little bit of reputation. That's the thing with narrative, like right there. Like that's why I don't watch like sports talk. I don't have the sound on unless it's like the Super Bowl or like a game in the playoffs, just because. Everyone talks about how bad the Chargers were stopping the run. That's all everyone talks about. But in reality, the Pittsburgh Steelers were the worst team against the run last year. They allowed the most rushing yards and the most rushing yards per rushing attempt last year. And, you know, like, if I were to say that to you, like, don't you know what I mean? Like, that's just everyone would just assume it's the Chargers. But in reality, it's the Steelers. So, I mean, that's kind of like the narrative that comes up in all this, like, sports stuff and kind of, like, why I just kind of don't listen to those. But ESPN, the Fox Sports and whatnot. But um, they added Miles Jack, which I think is huge. Now you can't double watt. Allow them to get some pressure. They brought over Larry Ogletree. It's going to be interesting to see, though, because Ogletree didn't resign with the Bengals. He signed with the Bears. Failed the Bears physical. So the contract was null and void, but then he passed the Steelers physical. So I don't really know what's going on there. Um, it's going to be interesting to go kind of to see what he has. Um, secondary doesn't have as many pieces as they have. And their their secondary just I'm glad you pointed that out because in the the rankings, because the secondary has generally been pretty good for them. Pro Football yeah. Focus has them ranked 28th in the yeah. league. They say Minka Fitzpatrick. Good, not one other impact player in this secondary other than Minka. They say they have a lot of veterans, but with that means there's not a lot of upside because we know we've seen the best from almost all of this group. So they're not going to improve. 
If anything, they may regress a little bit based on what we've seen from them. So I don't know how strong they're going to be. You may be able to throw the ball on them too. Now, one kind of let me give you a point to to piggyback your and the counterpoint. One, if they can't stop the run, they're in serious trouble in this division. When you play against the Browns, the Ravens, and even Cincinnati, who offensive line is better, and Mixon, they've got a fine running game there. But but then on the flip side is I will be a little bit a little softer on them for some of those running stats being maybe a little inflated because damn, they do have to play the Browns twice and the Ravens twice, which is tough, right? Those are like the two most prolific running teams and you got to play them four yeah. times. So it is a little bit hard on you. So I, I see it. I it's a, it's absolutely worth mentioning because if they're not good against the run, they're in serious trouble in, 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 they better be okay because if not, these two teams are going to make them look bad quickly. Very, 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 very bad. Um, they brought in former Lions DC Terrell Austin. Last time he was the DC was in 2018. And the thing I always do is like when they bring in these DCs, I kind of want to look at what they were before. You know what I mean? Because generally speaking, we are who we who we are. Yeah. Um, 30th in points against, 32nd in total yards, 29th in rushing yards, 25th in pat, pat, uh, rushing TDs, tw- 32nd in passing yards, 27th in passing TDs. This, it's not like he was getting much out of the Bengals defense. Um, so I don't really don't know like how good of a hire this is actually going to be. Uh, but they do have Brian Flores on staff as their linebacker coach. That's a great the point. Co- the guy that used to coach the Dolphins. Maybe he, you know, maybe he can be able to do some stuff. And kind of step in to fill yeah, some other roles because in. he was a good coach. He was a good head yeah. coach. Yeah, he was a good, he was a good head coach. So that's, that's something to kind of, kind of monitor, um, you know, in terms of them overall. They're oh a spot play team for They're... me. Like we talked about them yesterday so and Kyle and, and Leo are a little higher on them than I am. I think yeah. I think they can beat one or two teams be, in spots because w- while I do agree with you in in like really breaking their defense down position by position, I don't think they're going to be overall as great defensively, but I do think they still have enough defensive playmakers to where they can win a game or two where somebody takes them lightly because they're going to be yeah they're going to they're going to have some weeks where they look bad if their offense is not flowing, they don't have a whole ton of playmakers. And they're kind of slow. They have a bad offensive line. Awful they have offensive, bad line. offensive line. Terrible. Um, they have Najee Harris Johnson. and no yeah. no real great backup. So if something happens to Najee, and it's not as if he's even fantastic. Last year, he wasn't graded all that high. Like they don't have one player on their offensive side of the ball that's graded higher than like in the 70s by Pro Football Focus. Like zero actual. Yeah. Really top tier players on the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, like this offense, Kevin Dotson, best uh, best offensive lineman, being a season-ending injury. People come back from those leg injuries. It's really tough to see what we're going to expect from them. Pat Meyer is coming in. He's going to change the blocking scene to more of a wide zone concept, like Harris ran in Alabama. Uh, you factor in what Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, wants to do. 
And it, this was just one of those disastrous hires, just because what Canada likes to do is it likes to do RPOs, pistol, in the pistol, pre-snap motion. Big Ben's your quarterback last year. Big Ben, you ain't doing any RPOs in. Big Ben doesn't like to be in the pistol. He likes to be further back in the gun. Big Ben doesn't like pre-snap motion because he says it feels it gives away to the to the defense what you're going to be doing. So you know what I mean? You can kind of see the writing on the wall. Yep. Whoever it is, Prickett or Trubisky, just a better fit because they can run the RPOs. They can, okay. with a bad They're offensive line, yeah. they can at least avoid a couple sacks here and there. Yeah. Big Ben, he can't move. It, it's two steps, they get to him, and then he's just got to curl up and go down. Yep, and then... He would yeah. throw the ball at the back of his offensive lineman sometimes yeah. because, the, the like, the, uh, the defense would get to him so quickly and he couldn't escape it, so he just would throw the ball at the backs of his own players. Wasn't there one game where Najee Harris had, like, 15, 14 receptions for less than 100 yards. Which is absurd. He has 74 last year. I was really hoping <laughs> to find a prop on him where you get under receptions. Couldn't find it. Um, Big Ben averaged 6.8 eight yards passing attempt last year. Bottom three quarterback. With Trubisky or Prickett, and don't get me wrong, I think Pickett's going to be a complete bust in this league. Um, they are going to throw the ball down the field more. Well, it's, it's sort of like Trey Lance, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that we think they're going to be good and go take a team to win a Super Bowl, but is he going to at least be able to make some things happen that Ben Roethlisberger couldn't happen, couldn't do? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, with that being said, both those guys can throw the ball down the field. I took Deontay Johnson under 900 and not, 999 and a half yards. Contract uh, stuff with him Deontay. this year too, right? Well, all, it's more about wide receivers – Quarterbacks have, we all have patterns of people. Big Ben for so many years threw to whoever lined up in Antonio Brown's spot, okay? And that's who was getting the chunk of production. Deontay Johnson came in and he played the Antonio Brown spot. Hence, all those targets for Deontay Johnson. It wasn't like they had some spot. It was just kind of like he felt comfortable. Throwing with that, that with that area. With, with that area of the field. Now you have someone completely new coming in. So they're going to have different safety, a safety valve, right? Yep. They're going to have a little bit different safety valve. Maybe it's Claypool for, for these guys, right? Who's bigger. Maybe it's Fryermuth, Who's just like a young, big tight end target. That might be easier for some of these guys to hit. You you don't know. You just don't know who it's going to be, but I'm going to bank. It's not Deontay just because he's got so many, with the Big Ben love, and when Big Ben's not there now. He's had drop problems, yep. too. There's just a yep. lot of things I don't love about him going into this year. They yep. they feel so like I, they're they feel like they're going to not, like they haven't really even been working. What was the notes that I, I had? Um, the Steelers and wide receiver Deontay Johnson may find common ground on a multi-year extension, but Pittsburgh has no reason to pay him out for they're not comfortable with. They brought in George Pickens and Memphis wide receiver Calvin Austin, and they have Claypool and Fryermuth. So maybe one of these younger guys who's a rookie has been working with the rookie quarterback, and maybe they have an incredible rapport, you know, where, when he comes in. And that's one of the guys that he leans to. I, I agree with you. I'm low on, on Deontay Johnson this year. Yeah, I'm very low on him. I'm not. Like I said, I bet that. And I also bet the under. I also bet the under here. I'm just. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just think they're going to struggle. Seven, um, I, I have six and 11. For, I mean, I what, have six and 11 too. 
Do um, they are they zero and three to start at Cincinnati? Then they play they play I New England beating Cleveland just because I have Brissett Watson because it's not Watson because they go yeah. at Cincinnati. Then they go Cleveland at home, but that's Belichick against either Trubisky or a rookie quarterback with a terrible offensive line. So that's not going to be. And I mean, can my boy Trubisky just get a little love, dude? I mean, two two playoff divisions, two two playoff appearances, one division title. I agree with you. I don't. He gets a lot of flack. It's because they didn't draft. It's who they didn't draft and how they moved up to get him and everything there, right? It's. That's what ends up happening He needed this, a fresh start Somewhere to just start over Now, if you're Pittsburgh You don't feel that way about him Like Chicago may have And now what's nice is All he needs to do is give you better quarterback play Than you got last year from Big Ben That's all He doesn't have to be better than Big Ben When Big Ben had his best years All he has to do is be better than what you got last year Can Mitch Trubisky do that? Absolutely Big Ben was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year, he couldn't move. There were some weeks where it was it was rough for him, and then there were a couple weeks where he actually he would see it, he would hear it, and he would dig down and find a little something. But I I think they're going to be better off on the quarterback end if with Trubisky in there because he can move around a little bit, and I think there'll be less pressure on him in a situation like this where people aren't really expecting him to to succeed or to be a savior or a franchise guy. Yeah, I mean, it started one year. Yeah, right before the Bears drafted him. Yeah, and like, yeah, and it came out like he went after his first year after he took the Bears to the um to the playoffs. They they won the. So let me repeat. He Trubisky gets a lot of blame. He drove the team down, got a score against the Eagles at home. This Bears defense couldn't get a stop, and then Eagles blocked the kick. Everyone in Chicago says he missed the kick. If you watch the replay, it was blocked. So he did his job, and then he took them again to the playoffs um, two years ago against the, um, oh, my God, against the Saints. You know, they lost. The Saints were a phenomenal that year. But for as little coaching as he was getting, and it's coming out now with the horror stories that he said and Robinson and the other players said, with how bad Nagy was, he did fucking phenomenal. I know. And I, he, he just seems to get a bum, a bum deal. I mean, but, it, you know, in terms of, like, being a backup, I mean, you can't – like, if you're going to be a backup quarterback in the NFL, that's a pretty good life, dude. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. You know, it's not bad at all. Year holding a clipboard. Not you know, bad. You get a bum deal, maybe if you would have gone to, like, a team um, – I don't even know. I'm spacing on a team like a team. Maybe if he was draft, maybe if it kind of worked out where he went to Kansas city and he got to be where Mahomes was and he got to sit out for a year behind Buffalo and got, you know, Brian DeBull, you know, he's got like a better coaching, but in the situation, he gets a a raw deal who the bears didn't draft and it's not his fault. It's not his fault. They didn't pick Watson and Mahomes. Yeah, it's not. Exactly. It's not, and so he was always going to get extra crap than he deserved. This, um, it's it's yeah, it's just not, it's not an easy schedule because even after those first three, so let's say they let's say they go one and two, they beat Cleveland without without Watson. Then they they're home for the Jets. Let's say they win that game, so they're two and two. Then they go at Buffalo, home for Tampa, and they go at Miami at Philly. 
that those could With be four Philly losses. coming off a bye. Yep. I yeah. Have four losses in a row. Those are those could be four losses them, in a row. I have them yeah. beating Cleveland just because I feel. But that's percent going to be there. Again. Yeah. Um, I have them beating the Jets just because I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. Those are the. So two you're like two and six there before the bye. Yep, two and six. Um, you know, I think they the could spot, win. I have them winning one of the two back off the bye. Yeah. Either one of those off two home games, I think they could they, split they're there. Playing, they're playing New Orleans off the bye. New Orleans is on a short week that week. Perfect scenario. I'm winning that game. I actually have a beating Cincinnati here. Yeah, I, I could see why. that too. Yeah, just one of those just, season things. It, these are divisional games too with coaching staffs that know each other. Like we said, their defense could one be at least okay enough to slow Cincinnati down a little bit. And then their offense may not have to be much if the Cincinnati defense isn't great. So the matchup may not be awful for them against, like they may have a tough time with really prolific defensive teams that can make it hard on their offense and their offensive line. That's where it could be really tough for them in games where they get beat up. If they're in games where their defense can keep it within striking range, those are games where I think they can be competitive. Um, they go at Indy, at Atlanta. I mean, it's not easy because they're just two road games there, and you don't really know what, what either of those teams are going to be. Then you're home against Baltimore. You go back on the road at Carolina. That possibly a winnable game there, but you, you don't know. You're on the road, and maybe you're bad at this point of the year. All of these games after the bye could see really either or. Then you end the, the season at Baltimore, home for Cleveland. Yeah, I got them 6-11. and 11. Yeah, I got them 6-11. and 11. Um... You know, you kind of hit in the head. They have some brutal stretches. I mean, the games I have them winning, those two games before the bye, the Saints, the Bengals, and then I have them beating Carolina at Carolina. Me too. And then beating um, beating the Browns to kind of end the season just because Me too. the Browns are kind of giving up at that point. Either giving up or if they're good, maybe they're not even playing anyone at that point, right? This might be a, a week where Pittsburgh's – Got some young guys that they're looking forward to next year, right? They they're the they're the type of team at the end of the year. Maybe they maybe they can they can build a little momentum as a young team looking forward to next year. They've got some young weapons on the offensive side. Maybe one of these receivers pops. Maybe all of a sudden, either Trubisky or the rookie ends up, you know, having a good little stretch. Now you have something to get excited about moving forward, maybe towards the end of the year, a team we could look to attack. And yeah, they may be a team that I look to play after bad games, play them the next week back um, in some spots and just not overall. I can't can't get excited about playing any of the overs for them. And uh, I would go under with the uh, the six and 11 prediction there. Eric, any final thoughts on Pittsburgh or the uh, AFC North? Pittsburgh. Um Deontay Johnson under 999 and a half yards, under seven and a half wins, Bengals under um, nine and a half wins, and the Ravens to win it all. Those are the futures I have locked in for the yeah. uh, AFC. Honestly, we're really in, in unison with those three. Um, I would lean under Pittsburgh. I would lean under for Cincy, and I would lean over and at Baltimore to – not not to win the division necessarily. Look to win win it all, win the Super Bowl. Because if they can win this division, get a nice record, get themselves good playoff positioning, that'll make their road to a possible Super Bowl even a little bit easier. So, Eric, buddy, we are uh, two divisions down. So now we're a third of the way through. We'll move on over. What do we say? Uh, AFC South next week. Is that right? AFC South, and 
Oh my God. I have a betting trend for week one. Is this what they call a tease? In the oh, I love this. I love this. I have a betting tip for week one for a scenario where a, that is 71% ATS, 65% on the money line. I cannot wait Ooh. for that. We're going to find out how to make some money next week from Eric right here. We'll talk AFC South. Now we've got AFC East in the books. That was last week. AFC North just finishing up. We'll move to the South for the AFC next week. Eric, tell us uh, what you have coming up this week and uh, anything with BTV, and then let us know about your podcast. You started your Tuesday shows now. You have the the Tuesday show live. I join you for uh, uh, dishing out a best bet every week. I usually will give out one for Wednesday. Uh, I think I had a one for Indy for Colonial. Probably be Colonial for the next few weeks with their good Wednesday racing coming on. So I look forward to that. Yeah, um, I'm laying low this week. This week I'm actually taking a personal weekend. It's gonna be in New Orleans for a bachelor party. Nice, um, cool, awesome, so, man. Have fun. You deserve it. You work your ass off, man. Have some fun. So, uh, oh, thank you. So, uh, you know, my podcast is gonna come out. I think tonight or tomorrow, and depending on how much laundry I get done before I have to leave. Um, Monday night, uh, oh, excuse me, Tuesday is a big night for me. Tuesday, I'm on my girls' dresses and saw the pretzels live stream. Give out one play there toward the end of their stream. Jim and I do a college football betting preview. We're going to be breaking down the American Conference. I have my live stream on. Um, we're going to be breaking down the NFC South on that. You're going to be giving a best bet out, and I'm going to be telling you a fancy football tight end to um, to tackle Wednesday night, Spring Fever with Jim and I come out, and then uh, Thursday, you know, I'm on with you. Busy, like always, busy, busy stuff. Good work, my friend. Everyone will be giving you a follow and checking out your great content out there. Have fun this weekend. Have a few drinks and a, a couple shots on top of that. Oh, uh, will do. Will do. <laughs> Good stuff. Make sure to give Eric a follow. We'll be back next week talking AFC South. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode. That's what she said. Continuing along, we'll head to the AFC South next week if you want to follow along with us and start diving into each team if you're making notes as you get prepped for the NFL season. Finishing up, wrestling with Chad Cooper. We get into the news in the world of wrestling. Then we talk WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, everything going on in the world of wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Oh, it's time for Chad Cooper. It's time. For this week in wrestling on That's What G Said podcast, Koopaloop joins as he does each and every week. Koop, I want to mention, because I've had some people asking me, he's like some of my friends who just text me and ask me wrestling stuff. What's going on with all this Vince McMahon stuff? You know, I've seen, I've heard, I've heard some of it. If As soon as we get some definitive information, we'll dive <laughs> into what happens. If Vince actually steps down and isn't involved, we'll absolutely jump into that and talk about it and if. But it's so hard when it's in the middle because 
we don't really know what's going on. This is like an investigation that's taking place by the board. We keep hearing more and more allegations and NDAs and all sorts of things. So it's it's tough in the middle of something to comment. But I just wanted to mention that because that's definitely a hot news topic before we get into our uh, our uh, recaps of the of each of the companies. And then one more piece of news. It does look like Sasha Banks is going to be making an appearance. I believe Sasha is booked. For like a, a signing in like a Comic Con, so Sasha, who was in Star Wars and The Mandalorian, and it's not any wrestling um, bookings yet. It just looks like she's there for a meet and greet and a signing. And I imagine she'll probably go by her name Mercedes, which she uh, she was before heading into the WWE. So this does look like Sasha Banks is gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's um, I, there's definitely a non compete, but uh, whether you believe MJF is gone from AEW, um, a, a playoff names here, uh, you can take it to the bank. Uh, Sasha Banks is, <laughs> is, is WWE is is no longer the Vince McMahon stuff. You know, uh, investigative piece by the Wall Street Journal, I think. Uh, the, the board's investigating, so some things have kind of leaked out. If there was any kind of non-disclosures, uh, 99.9% uh, we'll never know. Yeah, because um, that's what they are. They're is. NDAs. <laughs> that's the, uh, but yeah. we, we can speculate. Uh, it sure is, uh, you know, interesting as, uh, you know. It's, listen, it's sure not is he great. 80 years old now? Yeah. Is he 80 now? He's, he's just, yeah, it's sure not great. And no, no, it's so in any way to spin it. We just don't know. There's differences that, and that's what's hard is that if these are non NDAs and these were things that were in, you know, in, in a, some of them, if they were consensual, then that's different. But if it's instances where employees said that this stuff was coerced, that it really impacted their work, then that's totally different. So that's where. Why it's hard because there's so many of these things going on Once we find out more We'll we'll dive into it and we'll talk about it Because this would be This does feel like This this is what I'll say about it This feels like the closest it's ever been In my lifetime For, for Vince McMahon maybe not being in charge It look, sure looks like it Because uh, it, it maybe, maybe he somehow Finds a way to spin himself Out of this thing Who knows Maybe so, maybe but, so. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's a it's it's a situation where, you know, I, as most wrestling fans are, they they see things are not superstars from the WWE current. Uh, of course, they're not going to say anything. But you know, Chris Jericho fired off on a couple of things, and it wasn't anti McMahon like yeah. you would you know thought it was going to be. Um, like you said, if there were no laws broken, it's you know, it, it, it's a personal problem. It looks bad. Um, but yeah, yeah, optics. But it's not anything illegal, or it's just well, immoral, right? That's it, a t- that's immoral, different, right? You know, it's immoral. But you know, there's just so many things going on with in the wrestling world. Uh, we haven't seen him on TV. TV. You know, he was coming out to Raw and and coming out to SmackDown over the last couple of weeks. So we'll say this. You know, I, you know, there's so much going on between WWE and AEW. We forget. That the WWE shows are back on A and E, and yeah, you're right. The uh, the Sundays, Vince. yeah, we saw Vince. You know, I watched it. You know, even though I, I thought I'd seen everything on the Undertaker, 
But you see Vince McMahon in a position where you normally don't see him in, showing a lot of emotion uh, right before uh, Taker's um, Hall of Fame uh, speech at, at WrestleMania. So, you know, it's uh, all good things must come to an end. And uh, when it does, that will be an interesting time in WWE. And as, hey, look, you know, on on Thursday, uh, right before we taped this, we found out that, you know, there's no more TV 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Raw or no, no more TV PG. It's going to be TV 14. It's yeah. Going to be TV. So, who so I think it was 2008, right? Because I think it from about 1998. Been a while. Seven to about 2008, it was TVP. It was TV 14, and then That's in right. 2008, it flipped back to TVPG. So right. it's been, yes. you know, 15, 15 years now. And of, who knows? Uh, and who knows if they're going back to the edgier stuff? But uh, the door is there for them to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, just a lot of news in the wrestling world, man. There's just mm-hmm. a lot going on. We uh, head on over to SmackDown from last week. We had the Viking Raiders defeat Jinder and Shanky. I love me that dance in Shanky. Yeah. We had <laughs> we had uh, Shinsuke Nakamura defeat Ludwig Kaiser. Ronda Rousey beat Natty via submission. We had the Usos beat Los Lotharios, and then Drew McIntyre beat Butch. That w- those were the matches there, but a lot of them sort of had other impacts. What do you think of the uh, the presentation of the Viking Raiders now, how they've sort of been repackaged and give them a little bit more of uh, an edge? Uh, yeah, they're definitely, we're definitely, they're trying to make us take them more serious, and which probably should have been in the, you know, the beginning, which I think they were, and then they got into the goofiness with uh, the Usos. Uh, I, we look. We have short-term memory in some of these storylines, right? And some of these, you know, performers and packages. It, it, it's not hard to see what they're doing and not get behind it. I just hope uh, we stick with it a little bit. You know, um, I agree. They, they they're could really be, good in the ring. They're really yep. good in the ring. The, we watched on an old wrestling rewatch that I'm going to play this week coming up. We watched Takeover NXT New York 2019. Okay. They had a match to open the show with Ricochet and Alistair Black. It was the last match that those two guys had before they moved up from NXT when they just got called up to WWE. And it was the same weekend of WrestleMania because that uh, two days after wrestling in and takeover, Ricochet and Alistair Black had a match at Mania for the tag team titles. This match with the Viking Raiders was unbelievable. I had sort of forgotten about it. If you're listening to this and you don't remember this match, go check it out. It's the opening match on the show. It is a five-star match if you're into five-star ratings. I'm not joking. It is <laughs> phenomenal. You will be you you will have forgotten what these guys can do in the ring because they haven't really been in that situation for a while, but just nuts stuff there and uh, I they could be fun, but this is sort of what you were talking about with um you know last week if there was one more tag belt this could be a team that could feud with the street profits or another team for a tag title or the new day for the tag titles right which we've sort of seen them but we've got both of the belts on the usos we've got both of the belts on roman it's 
it's okay for a little bit, but after a while, when you have two separate TV shows and two separate rosters, it makes it difficult when a lot of the rosters don't have, doesn't really feel like they have something to shoot for. And I think we're getting to that point now. I agree. Uh, you know, I, I, we'll talk about Raw in a little bit. You know, you see the Street Profits again. You see the Usos on Raw, which, you know, I, I like the fact that the title holders for both uh, you notice we haven't gone with a unified tag team championship title. They they still have both belts, both the red and blue. So, it's a good notice. You know, it, it kind of goes back to you know Kenny Omega with with all these titles, and you lose one, the Impact Championship to Christian or to whoever. Does that water things down some to the Usos tag champions? The interesting, the, the, like I said, we're short term memory in entertainment. Uh, we get over things pretty quickly. Um, and if things are repackaged the way they are and we like it, we're okay. If we, if they will go with this now with the Viking Raiders and we can take them serious, um, why not put the tag team titles on them? I know there's, that's, that's the only way you're going to do it. So, because it's, it's, it's hard with it's sort of like the women's division, but honestly they're they've actually gotten better with the women's division where, it's unfortunate that it comes down to if you're not winning the tag team titles or in a feud for the tag team titles, you're really what what are you doing? Right, right. And and, and that's one thing I'll give AEW credit for, right? They will have multiple like they even sometimes to their hindrance, they will get a lot of people on TV even if they're not in title feuds. On the flip side, they have 75,000 titles, so everybody's in the title. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I forgot all about the Mid-Atlantic title until I was going through my notes. I'm like, wait a minute, um, Yeah, you know, WWE's in an awkward position now with the Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, Which are not, they, they don't have. They they stripped them and they didn't do anything with them. There, there's two men's title tag team titles on the same team. There's two... Men's world titles on the same guy. And look, maybe it's a good thing right now that we're not rushing into having a tournament or putting them on someone because let's be honest, uh, those things have been the black albatross around the proverbial neck. They just. And who would it be? Yeah. And that's another thing. There's nobody that's natural. They don't, they don't have any actual women's tag teams anymore in the, on the main roster right now. Think about it. Right, and they're putting some people together. We, we've seen, uh, but Nikki and Dewdrop, uh, Nikki and Dewdrop. Right, who, and who do they lose again to on Raw? Uh, Alexa and Oscar. Uh, Oscar, you know, I thought that was an interesting pairing. Yeah, that so, was. You know, maybe it's good that these belts aren't just, you know, forced. Forced. Yep. On someone, and let's just let some natural things happen. We're definitely not going to see anything at SummerSlam unless they spring it on us the week of, which if you do that, you might as well not even have the belts because it's pretty weak. Don't do that. So, yeah, they're in an awkward position with some of these titles and stuff. So, But, look, the Viking Raiders, um, if you let them be the Viking Raiders, look, they're never going to be the Road Warriors. But if you let them be serious, uh, I think they have a chance to shine. And I would put put the titles on them. Again, though, it just the Usos have the SmackDown and Raw, so they lose SmackDown. Then it kind of messes up the storyline a little bit. So that's why we need to get at least one pair of these titles off the Usos. Mm -hmm. And when you've seen that someone can be goofy, 
you can go back to being serious and still throw in like the the perfect example for me is Miro Rusev. Sure. sure. Right. We've seen him have to do goofy stuff. And he was doing the Rusev Day stuff. And then he had to do that horrible angle with Bobby Lashley and Lana. Or was it was it Ziggler? It was Ziggler and Lana, right? And yeah. then Lashley yeah. and Lana. Both of them. He had to do yeah. those horrible angles with both of them. And so he had to do all these things. But now what it did was those storylines were awful. But what it does is it sort of. It makes you get out of your comfort zone a little bit And it makes you become better as a performer overall Just as like playing the role that you have to play And you get more comfortable Especially when it's a bad role So now whenever Miro does these goofy things It's kind of funny but he And he yeah. can still be funny and a badass It, it works yeah, that, for him okay and, that, and, that, and that's a good point So let me ask you this uh, do the Viking Raiders need to win the title for us to take them serious one last time? Because I don't think if they, if they don't win the titles now, uh, what do we really have? Just a tag team that's kind of look just going to be booked on house shows or main event, you know, on the, on the Peacock app. You know, if you can find like they they would be okay to be placed against singles baby faces. Right, sure, like sure. if you want, maybe Roman's not going to be around on TV or something, right? So, you know, these guys are the guys that Drew McIntyre for a little while has to deal with, and you know, I don't know something in those. Like, I could, I'm okay with that. Make them seem credible, but I, I, that's the problem in the tag division. It can't. You're not going to be around like post SummerSlam. They have to be getting involved for the tag team titles because if the Street Profits win. They're they're a good heel yes. team for them, right? They would be a very good team for them to face. So that I, I hope that's where they're going. That would be the next really, you know, that that would be fun. That would be good. Yeah. It, 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 and if any titles are going to change over the next couple of months, uh, you, you, we got to circle SummerSlam on our calendar because yep. most titles really don't change on your your normal pay per views. We've seen some surprise TV title changes. Uh, you know, on TV, but you know, like the US, and we've seen the Intercontinental. But you know, uh, most of your tag and world champions, unless you're Miz and he loses it, you know, two days, you know, four, 24 hours later. But I would think we would need to put the belts on Street Profits or Viking Raiders or somebody. I would think, I, I think so, natural fit to let, and let them go after the Viking Raiders because that would see then you could revisit some of that stuff, the goofiness. And let them let the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders have a big do-over, and let them chase those titles and have better matches. To forget those stupid free throw contests, the axe throwing contest, <laughs> bowling. Right, the the Viking Raiders were winning the basketball contest. Bowling. Ivar was dunking. He was <laughs> dunking. He was through his legs. He was through his legs dunking. Um, yeah, they they could be fun against the Street Profits in a bit. Um, we, hey, we how, you were talking about Shinsuke. How fun was it? You know, because we're selling uh, Pat McAfee out, and we we kind of know why. Oh, with Corbin out. and Graves, right? How fantastic was that? That was I would have, yeah. I, look, Corbin, but when Graves got up there and started doing it, I just thought that was fantastic. Me too. And they were was, like, they were like the Bash Brothers of like heel Bash Brothers. Yeah, it was like yeah. who. 
it was so awful but fantastic because That's Corbin a, yeah. was so bad. But I love that Corbin was talking about how I guess him and McAfee are buddies, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, or yeah. they were they from football from way back. Yeah. They've known each other, which is which is great. So I I I think both of us are have always been a little higher on Corbin than most. Oh, also, especially me. You know, and I mean, everybody loved the the Corbin down in his luck gimmick, and man, we were waiting for him that week. I still remember it when he and Kevin Owens were having that like backstage, and it looked like he was going to be turned babyface, yeah. and it felt like, oh my gosh, this is the guy. Like that's like the the natural thing that WWE doesn't do quite enough, you know, and I wish, I wish they would more the Daniel Bryan, you know, when, when something just becomes so overwhelming that you have to just say, Hey, screw it. Like we thought we had this plan, but this is going way better than we can have ever imagined. (laughs) Like we just have to go in this direction. And, uh, yeah, that, that should be fun. I, I, I like Corbin. I think him and McAfee will have, will uh, will have a good match. That'll be, that'll be a blast. So yeah, Roman opened the show actually, and then they tease Theory. Man, they've been they've been hitting us over the head with Theory cashing it in that night so much. Is there a chance that he maybe loses that thing, or it just doesn't happen? Because they don't usually they don't usually do it like this, where they say, "Hey, they may cash in right after the main event. It's going to be a last man standing match." It's it just seems like they're really. Repeating that a hell of a lot. It's interesting because uh, we got Theory walking out while and Roman hasn't been on SmackDown. Uh, I don't know when the last time was, but man, what, did did he ever get a nice little pop there? I think the the show was in San Antonio, a hot Texas crowd for that. But immediately Theory comes out with the briefcase, and uh, you know it, it kind of it was bad timing. We cut to commercial, we come back, but. You know, I, I think they're so high on this kid. Um, I would be, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this kid won one of the titles with Roman beat down at some. I'm still sticking to my guns that that guy. I, I think I it's happening soon. I, man, do. I don't know if Brock Lesnar, if Brock wins that title at SummerSlam. One of the titles, and you cash in the money in the bank. Do you cash it in for both? Do you cash it in for one? And how does that work? I know. And- I don't know. And I and I wish they would tell us, even if it was just a one-liner from Michael Cole or Jimmy yeah. Smith or someone. That's what's throwing me off here because I, I, I think the kid's got so much go-away heat on him that he, he would be a nice little title holder for somebody. Um, I, I, I just... What do you do if you take the briefcase off of him? You know, who gets it? What do, what do you do? I, I don't know. It's again, but boy, they are forcing this on us. They're reminding us every five seconds that all that, excuse me, theory is your money in the bank title holder. So we, uh, yeah, we had Nakamura. Looks like Nakamura came out, interrupted Gunther, and then uh, Gunther actually made a. I, I like what they've been doing with him. So he comes out. He talks about how nobody's worthy of a match with uh, with him. Nakamura interrupts. And then Nakamura said he actually wants a match with Ludwig. So <laughs> uh, Nakamura ends up beating Ludwig. And then Gunther comes in and just beats the crap out of Ludwig afterwards. <laughs> He's furious with him, which really makes him look like a heat, like a 
a, a just an asshole heel, you know, and I I thought that was good. I like the presentation. I don't know if they you got to do this every now. Don't do this every single week or every time out because then it might get a little bit annoyed. But every few weeks, have him do this again every time this guy screws up a little bit, right? Uh, Ludwig and Nakamura feels like a, a solid IC challenger for him. This might be the SummerSlam match. Yeah, and I think it is, and I think I think it'll be good. Um, the only little, you know, holdback I had for this is. You know, Nakamura, didn't he have the title? And he was hurt. And nothing. And, and just nothing really happened. And, it, and look, it's not his fault at all. I, I, I think we can overlook that fact because I think those two will put on a fantastic match. And I'm with you. He chopped the hell out of that kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't take a half or a fourth of that. That dude took, what, three or four blasts to the chest? And I think that's just heat. I mean, it, it's so much good heat there, man. For he for, looked a little, a little, um, yeah, a little more like early Nakamura. You know, like yeah. he he did yeah. look a little more aggressive. And I think I think the match with Gunther is going to bring that out of him. I wouldn't and I be think shocked. So too. And it's, it's new. It's something fresh. It's new, and you know what? Nakamura's gotten a little older, and at this point. He's not wrestling quite as much on TV. He's not having as many matches. He's probably not. I'm not sure what his schedule is like on the house shows and stuff. But I could see him having like a big a banger here. And what I do think may happen is I wouldn't be shocked if we got a Boog sighting at SummerSlam. Yeah. Like a surprise either not to help win, but maybe just to come and play Nakamura out with the entrance. You know? That's a good point. Let's Big pop. Or somebody, you know, yeah. the band for a guitar. Um, yeah, that's it's just, you know, it sucked that that Boogs is uh, that torn pectoral uh, uh, because this would just be money right here. Then you could have some tag matches uh, between uh, uh, these four guys. I think the match at SummerSlam is going to be really, really good. I just hope we get a lot of time. I, I don't think he's going to... Um, just roll, you know, just roll completely over because I think Nakamura is good enough. No, he shouldn't. It, it shouldn't be a squat, a glorified squash. I think no. this match is one of the better matches, uh, possibility. One of, uh, if they do go in that direction, it looks like we do, we are because look, we're two weeks away, right? Mm-hmm. We're in, two weeks away from SummerSlam. I wasn't playing this out in my head when I was thinking about possible opponents for Gunther, but I think you hit it. This might be the best one for him. It's pretty solid. Like, it's it's a good opponent who the fans still like, who yes. you still sort of treat like he's, even though we can say that his main roster run has probably been a little disappointing for what people thought of Nakamura coming in and then how strong things were at NXT, but he still is held in pretty high regard by the fans, and this will be a good win for Gunther. He can get a nice, clean win over him. These guys can beat the hell out of each other for 10 to 12, 15 minutes, you know? Um, yeah, and you've got the tease from Ludwig. Um, you know, he they're going to tease that he's going to turn on Guthar, which we know that's not going to happen. But it was still something new to see this guy get punished. I, I wouldn't mind if this guy lost every week. You know, if Guthar comes out there and does the open yeah. challenge, and, and says, then he, I, I'm going to let you handle it, and the dude gets beat every week, then we and go then and he just, him with a right. <laughs> you think he's going to turn on him, and he's not. You know, and he doesn't. <laughs> That's great. We um 
we're rolling through SmackDown. So Liv Morgan came out, and then um, Ronda told Liv that uh, they're going to have a match at SummerSlam, and the Cinderella story is going to end. Natty then interrupted, and um, we had a we uh, we had a match between Ronda and Nat and Natty. Ronda ends up getting the win by DQ as. Or no, no, excuse me. Natty taps out. Natty ends up tapping out yeah. there. So, uh, so Ronda gets the win over Natty on a on a rematch from the pay per view, and we're gonna be going Ronda live for SummerSlam. It looks like so. That's uh, uh, hopefully we get Natty thrown into this. Do you think that's there any chance I mean, we get a threat? I don't think we need it. The the way that they had Ronda dispatch her so quickly here makes me think no. Okay. Okay. If this would have been a, a schmozzy. Right, if they would have done the done the gimmick where like Natty and Ronda are fighting outside the ring, and then Natty throws Ronda into Live, you know, and they do that one, you know, yeah. and then there's like a DQ because the three of them all start getting into it. Um, then I would have said, "Oh no, I think we're just gonna go Live Ronda," because I okay, feel so, like so. Give me, give, give me the uh, two weeks out opening if 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 it's Live and Ronda uh, singles for for the women's SmackDown championship. What are what are who who's the favorite here? So I think it should be a, a match that's something along the lines of of Bret Hart and Rowdy Roddy Piper WrestleMania eight, where okay. they're having this good match, and then Natty R- Ron uh, no Natty. I want no Ronda okay. Ronda and Liv, just the two of them having a really good match. Those two, and there's a moment where it looks like Ronda's about to turn heel. But she doesn't. She's gonna use a weapon, or she's like, she's she can't. She has an opportunity to really hurt Liv, but she decides to not and to like to to play it clean. And then Liv ends up rolling Ronda up and getting sort of a sneak win again. And then Ronda snaps afterwards. Not Piper didn't snap after Piper. Brett just beat him, and then they hugged, and Brett won the IC title. But then after the match, Ronda snaps. Ronda goes heel. She does something that makes her nuts, and then she either gets suspended or gets or has to leave for a little while, or you know, so, I don't know something along those lines. But I, that that's what I would like to see. I'd like to see Liv win again. Not necessarily need it to be Liv Morgan shouldn't be making Ronda Rousey tap out, right? No, it shouldn't, be, no, no, it shouldn't no. be a win like that. But Liv Morgan can can outsmart Ronda. You know, she can win a match that way. She can get her. I just don't. I want to see Liv win. That's for sure. I, I, and I want look, to. I, I think this is going to defy define her title run. Completely agree. She cannot lose this thing right now, right back. If she does, no, it, it doesn't do anything for her. No, it, it it completely goes the opposite. I think it would it backfires on her. And not saying she, she'd be in total trouble, but I think this first match in a big moment, this first rematch, her first title defense. At SummerSlam is going to be pretty defining for her because if something goes wrong here, um, and and they feel like they need to put it back on Ronda on a big stage to get those headlines, I, I think it really really hurts Liv. I need to see. I, look, I'm with you. There there shouldn't be a submission here. Liv needs to go. It needs to be a good strong match. I don't think we're going to get a very long match between these two. I'm just afraid we're going to get some outside interference. I would rather live go over. I don't care if it's not clean. 
But if we get some outside interference that causes a DQ, I don't even like that either for Liv. I need to Me see either. Liv. It's got to be her pinning. Me too. Yes. She's got to. We need to see the visual of her pinning Ronda again. It in even if it like you said, I don't. I don't want it to be a really schmozzy win, but I'm fine with like a good match. It looks like Ronda. You know, she's got a chance. Like she says, maybe Ronda doesn't. Try to break her arm and she gives her a second And then Liv was playing possum And she rolls her up right that's What I would love something like that that would be Yeah because we're going to get the ref bump in Roman and Brock hopefully the ref Bump is better than the one we got at (laughs) AEW Over this weekend I think he's still I think the ref is still out I think he's still out right now poor Rick Knox who I know Knox I've actually Worked at shows with him where he was The ref there I just We'll talk about that one In a minute um we um for okay, we have the maximum male models <laughs> and max do when we had the 2022 tennis collection. <laughs> First up was Masse sporting a blue polo shirt, white pinstripe shorts, and a white sweater tied around his neck, white visor on his head. Dupre. Dupree talked all about Massey's striations on his muscles and uh, the the glutes and man, oh this is this is great. And <laughs> next up they had Mansois and Mansois had a shirt with blue sleeves, a white headband, and uh, yeah, he talked all about the fine body of Mansois and. I, I mean, our guy L.A. Some, I tried to find some hidden clues into this, you Me know, and I, and I really wasn't able to come up with, with with much. I thought, okay, maybe maybe we got some clues here of what he's saying and what they're doing and what they're you know the direction they're going to take here. But I I was unable to come up with any. We yeah, we need this like two more weeks of this. Yeah, and and yeah. then and then like anything, you have to get into something, sure. right? You have sure. to like. You have to start adding people We gotta see stuff in the ring You have to start having feuds Like we gotta start taking it places But I will I will say I've seen a lot of people that are really like Liking this so far Just cause it's so It's one of those things where I mean it's obviously just a, a, Like a comedy thing right now That they're having fun with And it it is pretty funny Because they're doing They're doing a good job with it They've taken it pretty seriously So these guys actually come out there And like really like good looking fashion type stuff and, and he's reading stuff like that you would hear on the the runway so it's a few a few more weeks of this and then we'll move forward but uh, people are liking this which i i appreciate that because that's one thing that i that gets me sometimes is that when AEW does goofy stuff everybody's fine with it and gets into it and the fans do it but if WWE tries to do it sometimes people will roll their eyes and when w like Think about how cool the Ezekiel stuff has been when it's Ezekiel and Kevin Owens when the fans are all in. It just makes it so much better when the fans go all in with you there. So I hope that when when you know fans will still play along with this one because it's just going to make everything a little bit better when they do. Um, we uh, we then got oh we we've called this one for a while. Lacey Evans, Lacey Evans, she walks out and she's like looking around. And she stops and then she goes back and, and she comes out again for her entrance 
and she's not really getting cheered and she stops and she comes out a third time, grabs the mic and then just goes full heel, full, full heel. She poured her heart out to everyone. She's disgusted by the response. She wants to know who they think they are. Um, Are they jealous of her because they're too fat to stand up? She's an American (laughs) hero. She put her life on the line and she's supposed to be in a tag match with Aaliyah. And then she just nails Aaliyah and she just walks out. <laughs> now, it took us a while to get here. Do you think this was the plan all along? Is to these vignettes to like, eh? Or do you think, okay, she's not getting enough pop. Um, let's just turn her heel. What, what, do you I'm, think I'm, this was the plan? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here and, yeah, hope, yeah. and, hope, and hope so. <laughs> Because we sniffed it out immediately how oh, weird, yeah. how weird, and like some of the wording that she was using, and how you know. So I'm gonna say that they were planting these little seeds to sort of make you dislike her already. But I, you know what? If they did, good job to them because they don't usually have. They're not usually subtle with their storytelling. No, they don't call right? quick audibles unless there's an injury. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll say this: she looks phenomenal. She looks I mean, great. Yet a year ago, she had, you know, she was pregnant with a, her second child. She looks fantastic, and she's yeah. she's just more natural as a heel. She's always been that way. Yeah. When in in yeah. NXT and and up, she's got like the Southern Belle sort of thing, and it's it's one of those you can't really help it. Like example, the Miz is like the coolest, nicest dude in person in real yeah. life. Yes. If you watch his reality show. He, if you talk with him, if you hear him on any interview, he's great and he's yeah. super likable and he does all the publicity and PR stuff for them. But when he, as soon as we get him on TV, you want to boo him. You want to see him get punched and don't really know what it is. And, sh- and shout out to the Miz because my, uh, um, he, on one of our, uh, the local news here in, in LA, he was, he was doing a, an interview on with, uh, talking about Miz and Maurice with his wife and they had just, the segment before him had just finished and that segment was talking about how to um kids and how long kids should be sleeping and stuff and one of the one of the women anchors says well yeah my kids sleep 10 hours every night and you know this and that 10 hours or maybe 11 12 hours and they go wow you know this and that. and Miz came on and they asked him a question and he said I want to talk more about how you get your kids to sleep 10 hours. Like I can't figure it. And I was thinking the same thing when I was watching that. I was like, yes, Miz, thank you. There's no way. I was like, this woman is full of it. There's no way your kid no. sleeps 11 hours. No, you, come you, on. What is she you, doing? You, children's, she overloaded them with children's Tylenol? Miz, he said, he was like, man, can we talk to the child whisperer over there? Like, you know, he made a comment and I was like, good job, Miz. Call this chick out right now. But it was shout out. It's, I think he's the same as Lacey. Like, awesome woman. You can't knock in. The, the stories that she was telling us are real. A lot of oh, that stuff. Sure. Sure. You know, like, so she is someone who's had a tough life, but wow, she comes off hateable on TV. You like, she just comes off like someone who thinks she's better than you. And yeah, uh, she, she's all social media doing it too. I, I saw a tweet. I think she was in California and she was like, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night and there's a smell. And I was like, why does California smell so bad? Um, she's, she's pretty good on Twitter too. I, I, I think so too. I don't think they called an audible, um, but kudos. She's just such, such better heel 
I, I think it fits. You know, I I like the Southern Belle thing. I don't know which persona character I like better, but the heel kind of dark Sergeant Slaughter-esque here. But I, I think with her being a heel, she has a better chance to get in the title picture and for us to take her more serious. We had the Usos pick up a win over Los Lotharios. Oh no, next week we're going to have, I forgot, You, I think you were, it's Liv Morgan versus Natty in a championship contenders I'm match. I'm telling you, man, that's why. I, You're I, right, I, they're going to do it, so. and Liv's going to lose this match in some stupid distraction way because of Ronda. And if it's she gonna does, be a, if she does, we're in trouble. We're in we trouble. Are. We're in trouble. As soon as she starts losing any matches, we're in trouble. You can't do this. I, the only thing I oh. can think of is, is Schmaz. And there's a DQ. Ronda gets involved, and there's a DQ. Uh, and then there's that's a, okay. I, I Live better not get threat. pinned. Live no, is, I, I think yeah. I think we're going triple threat here. Um, I, I thought there was a reason why. I, I, I you, thought that Natty did. Out, you caught you. Yep. Eh, I I think they're going to protect Ronda here. I I think Liv pins Natty at SummerSlam in this triple threat. I think that's what they do. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. That that, that gives happens, them an out. Uh, it that gives can, it gives them an out. You're Not right, that losing to a Liv Morgan to a champion, you, you shouldn't look. It, if you've got to put the champion over, um, and you're mad about it, but you know how things work. But I, I think we get a DQ here, and Adam Pierce or whoever says, "Ah, oh, we we're going to do it again next week or whatever." I think Natty. I think Natty's in this match at SummerSlam. I really do. Drew got the win over Butch, and. Is Seamus hurt, or we're protecting Seamus? Yeah, it's got to be that they were just maybe waiting another week or two for this match, or maybe maybe that's the SummerSlam match. Yeah, I, I'm fine with the match. I just don't like the ways we get there somehow. I don't either. Me neither. Yeah, I, Drew I, loves I, loves using that Angela sword to chop through <laughs> the ropes. <laughs> he's he's been doing that a lot lately. He gets the sword out. He looks like he's gonna murder Seamus, and then he just chops through the ropes like. Hey, was that attempted murder? <laughs> I think he tried to hit that guy with a sword. Yeah, hopefully, dark side of the rain on Angela. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, you don't. Uh, nobody got that on film, right? It's not like we had that on uh, on footage footage of that thing. As we move on over to Monday Night Raw, we had uh, Balor beat Rey Mysterio. I, I gotta say, you know, we open up with Roman Reigns. Uh, we open up with uh, Brock Lesnar first, and Brock Lesnar came out. It's fine. He cut his promo, Theory interrupts, Heyman's there in the mix. So all three of these guys, um, you know, go back and forth a little bit. And it actually, it brings out Alpha Academy and they attack and Lesnar gets to look, you know, awesome throwing Gable and Otis around. And he manhandled Otis with no problem. Put him through a table. No problem. Just tossed it. And so... I like, I know some people are sort of tired about with this, and I can understand. Keep in mind, we've had a couple bad injuries too. You know, this may have been Cody, this may have been Orton. We oh, may yeah. have been in, in a situation sure. where it was maybe Orton and Riddle. I don't know, something like that, right? It could have this, been a triple threat. This was definitely an audible. That was and audible. so you have to go back here, and you know what? You do the best that you can, Brock. He's fine as a baby face. It is just a little bit of a bummer because it feels like we've done this a lot before. And we did sort of this is like kind of the same thing we were doing sort of leading up to WrestleMania with the build up there. 
I don't necessarily think Brock's going to win, but I don't think Brock is going to walk out of there with a title is a better way of saying no, it. I, no. I could see Brock winning and then immediately getting cashed in on my theory. Absolutely. And I, I, I see that happening more than, unfortunately, Liv pinning Ronda. I, I, I think I misspoke earlier. It, it was it was Raw that was definitely in Texas. They were in San Antonio. Yeah. Brock had the little cowboy hat on. And uh, I just, I, I have no problem with it because I'm a, I, I'm a Brock Lesnar fan. And uh, this was definitely, I, I wouldn't guarantee it was an audible, but we're, we're going two and three injuries deep to top stars. And we, we for sure thought that Cody Rhodes was going to be put in this, uh, in this situation with Roman. And I think, I think we all did. That's why I think they, they put the United States title on Bobby. I don't know if theory was the original winner. Um, I have no problem with it. I, I just thought that he picked up Otis and launched him through the announce table like there was no problems at all. And Otis is not small. He may be shorter than than, than some of the guys. He's not as small as, as short as Gable. But and Brock picked him up like a sack of potatoes. And just, just flung him. him like a, that's Jesus. That's impressive. No, I, I, I think it's intriguing. I think the fans expect Theory to cash in. I, I think I think he does. I think I just would like to know: Does he win both titles or does he win one? I just wanted to just clarify that, and I will be satisfied for a while. Um, I'm not quite satisfied with what's going on with the Judgment Day. We had oh, this is not good. <laughs> we, no, we have last week. This is not good. We had Balor beat Rey Mysterio, so I guess that's a positive for him. They're trying to like recruit Dominic Mysterio, but it, for whatever reason, the moment they Lost Edge and then Rhea got hurt It just felt like everything changed I don't know why They it, it, They should have been feuding with Edge I don't know if you why maybe Edge was hurt Or something but they sent him away It looks like Edge is coming back with these vignettes That we keep seeing that's what people think it's Edge People are some people are saying Bray Wyatt But it looks like it's Edge with, with everything We're reading Um, It just seemed weird if you're going to turn these guys it's fine, turn them, but make sure you've got Edge and AJ there as baby faces to, you know, to battle them to help get them over. And it was like, oh, we turn them, we turn them. Rhea gets hurt, and we don't have any plan for these guys. And now they feel they feel cold. Yeah, and I don't. And no offense, I don't like Dan, I don't like Damian or Priest. I don't like him on the mic very. I much. know. It looks I know. like he's doing all the talking. And it's just, about a year ago. When yeah. Bobby Lashley was the champ and they had Priest in the match with him and it looked like like they were looking like Priest was going to was going toe to toe with him. We were yep. thinking going into the Rumble, he was possibly a guy that could and they just god, they they had him lose that one match that one time to was it Kevin Owens? And then ever since then we're like what's happened cuz he was one of the most protected guys on the roster and they have just they've crushed him. I don't know what I don't know what happened. I, they just don't seem very interesting uh, to me right now. I, I don't know. Uh, it, we noticed it last week. It's, you know, shows you how popular and good Rhea Ripley is. With her not being there, they they feel they're just lost. And they're just a, a, another kind of tag team. There's no faction. And, man, we, we thought for sure also that uh, – 
the Mysterio, Dominic and Ray were going to turn. Now, if Dominic turns, okay. Uh, but is, is that going to be make them more interesting with Dominic? No, that, like, no as, not at all. Because no. they would, you know, be, you know, he stands out more than the other two. I just don't like Priest on the mic. Uh, he's great in ring, but they definitely don't have a direction right now. And I just don't think a feud with the Mysterios is doing them any good. I don't have a problem with Mysterios being in that storyline. Uh, I, I think you could, they could be in the tag team title picture, but you've kind of teased them, you know, turning on each other, and they haven't. But I don't think either way it, there's any good uh, with 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 this story. Or, or Finn or Priest. I, I just don't like it at all. I don't know why we had Carmella against Bianca again. again. Bianca just beat her. And then Carmella ends up getting a win via countout. This is sort of to like make Becky more mad that she has to wait longer for her match, which we all know is coming at SummerSlam anyways. I don't, I don't understand why this had to happen. I, I don't. I don't get this at all. We no, and I don't have a problem with the match, but we just saw it. I know, you know, I, I, it shouldn't be happening again. Carmella shouldn't be. It, 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 uh, I love her. I, I just she do. just lost yeah, completely paper. clean. Right? There's no reason she should be getting any sorts of rematches at all. I don't care who her husband is. Or, you know, I, I it just, you know, it just and it, man, it. I don't know how. I guess we're getting to Becky and Bianca again for SummerSlam, right? Yeah. It just why did why did this need to be a rematch again when Becky just she just won the number one contender spot? Right. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't. It, I, I kind of have the feeling that do, do they put the you, title back on Becky? It's it, it's one of those things where it's. Are they doing in this match what you think they're doing in the other? Are they trying right, to find right. a way to get Carmella in here so that way Becky can beat Carmella and you don't not have to pin Bianca? And you can have uh, Bianca chase her again and it'd be like Becky's beat Bianca cheap twice, you know, for the title at SummerSlam again, another cheap win. Man, as much as I like Carmella, I, why I just I don't have a way, a path to to her to get into this a third title match. I know. Regardless of Becky or not, you know? Yeah. Not we got match. the... So, I did like what we have here with the Miz and Ciampa. We got to at least sort of hear from Ciampa. We yeah. got to at least make some sense of all of this, that Ciampa wants to be around the Miz. It gives him more of a spotlight. That makes sense. I can understand that. That we wanted to hear a little bit from Ciampa, and it feels like... He's going to be paired with The Miz as either in the corner of The Miz against Logan Paul, or maybe if they do some sort of a tag team with Logan Paul, I don't know if AJ is going to be in the mix there. It, that was something they teased. Um, they end up having a match, Miz and Ciampa versus AJ and Ezekiel, and AJ and Ezekiel end up winning via DQ. Um, and then after the match, we've got a, a phenomenal forearm there, and Miz heads back, and I actually liked getting to hear from Ciampa, it felt like at least, okay, Ciampa's got some direction now. He's more than just some guy who comes out and never talks and we don't know anything from. And I don't know if this is going to work at the babyface stuff with Logan Paul. If you're asking me, are the fans at SummerSlam going to cheer Logan Paul or Miz and Ciampa? 
they're going to cheer Miz and Ciampa. Uh, the, the first Ciampa first. Um, they haven't given up on him. And I like that, right? And that's something they, they do quickly with call-ups. If, if they don't have anything for them, uh, you know, poor Aaliyah has been up on the roster for a while now. I, I just don't know why you couldn't put uh, Dakota – uh, in, in that spot and probably would have had I something know. better, right? Um, I but I don't think they've given up on him, and, and that's something I like. Uh, I have a feeling Logan and AJ are going to be paired somehow to get Logan. To try to get Logan to, to get cheered. And I don't think, and I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. I, I just don't think it's going to work. Not what we saw after, what, WrestleMania? They were in the WrestleMania tag match? They're going to cheer when AJ's in the ring, and then the moment he tags in Logan, they're going to boo. And and that's not the WWE way, right? No. That's the smart fan way, but that's not the WWE way. But I sure do think they're going to pair AJ with him, and I don't yeah. like that at all. Because AJ has nothing right now going for him. No. Storyline stuff, and I don't like that. We already mentioned Alexa and Asuka beat Dewdrop and Nikki. Kind of just felt like um, a chance to get these two girls a win after coming out of Money in the Bank where they didn't win, and they were sort of probably sure. major, major contenders there. So I still I still think there's something with Alexa here. Me, yeah, there's really something the weird. Burner. It may be on the back burner. I don't know if she has a match at SummerSlam. I have no idea. Uh, we do. Do we have a battle royal coming up, or is that AEW's got a battle royal coming up? I thought I saw a battle royal was coming up on one of these shows for something. And you know that that's that's an easy way for WWE to get a championship contender. But I, I, nonetheless, regardless, I think there there's something there with Alexa Bliss, and I think either they're putting it on the back burner or it's going to be a slow simmer to get her back into something because I just don't buy her being overly nice with Lily. I just don't buy it. I, I really don't buy it. But I thought somewhere where I saw we were going to have a battle royal coming up next week. I don't know if it's on Raw, SmackDown, or AEW Dynamite. Okay, cool. Well, I'll I'll see if we can find something out about that. We'll um, we will continue along on Monday Night Raw. Coop, we're up to yeah. Maybe we get like Alexa Oscar at SummerSlam. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And okay. just like uh, in sort of like a de facto number one contender match, you know, like whoever wins that can be put back up for the title next against if it's Becky or Bianca, you know, one of them. Um, the uh, the oh, we had we had a. We had a tag match with Omos and the Usos versus the Street Profits and R-Truth. I actually liked R-Truth quite a bit in this segment. They um, He came out dressed like a ref because in the SummerSlam match at the tag team match, there's going to be a special guest referee. He was like auditioning for it. He was telling them all of his credentials. He's a certified divorce counselor, marriage counselor, tag team counselor. He's going through everything that he's done. And then the Usos started, you know, kind of clowning him. And then he got serious. Just, you know, just reminding you, hey, you know, I'm having fun out here, but you want to go? Let's go. And then I liked it when he said, uh, oh, yeah, me and my me and my partners, you know, me and my me and my partners. And and he had the straight prophets behind him. I actually thought this was kind of fun. And it it mixed it up a little bit, having our truth here. Um, Omos is kind of. He's in a weird spot. I don't. I think they don't really know what to do with him right now either. But 
I didn't really have a problem with this on as like a, a Monday Night Raw match in a spot on TV. Our our truth made it seem a little interesting. Yeah, it, it was something to keep themselves uh, involved because you know remember they are your we don't really think of it as your Raw brand tag team champions anymore since they since they won both. Um, it looks like they're getting behind Omos again. It was a way to get him a win. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Bobby Lashley stuff, um, I, I don't know where we're going with any of this. Um, but I'm okay. look, I've always been a fan of our truth. That's another guy that seems like he's the ageless wonder, so to speak. That guy is, is no, he's not a baby anymore. Um, he's phenomenal shape. I, I think they get uh, a lot of comedy out of him, and he, he's pretty good in the ring. I've seen him. Um, I've seen Ron Killings go best in professional wrestling, um, but he's a, he does he's a good television spot. And it would be different if we haven't seen him in months. And he just oh, there's our truth again. But you know, we've seen him over the past couple of you know months get involved with with silly little things. So I, I was completely fine with it. Our truth is a uh, former world champion. He you know yeah. he was a NWA champ, I believe. Right? Yeah, yeah I think NWA. NWA World Heavyweight Championship twice um, in some of the early TNA stuff when they were doing the the weekly pay-per-views. So uh, shout out to our truth He was K Quick, K Quick and Road Dog getting rowdy, getting rowdy way back in the day. Also, as uh, we finished up with Bobby Lashley and Riddle versus Seth Rollins and Theory, I I actually kind of like the dynamic in this match as you know Theory. Was getting advice from Seth Rollins on how to cash in the money in the bank. You got sort of like the Weasley heels, and Seth Rollins was was the um, you know the the chosen right hand man of Triple H. Theory was the chosen one of of Vince, and then on the other side you've got two of the top baby faces going at it with with Riddle and Lashley. Um, I thought this was fine. Bobby Lashley and Riddle get the win over Rollins and Theory, and then after Ziggler gets in the mix. He super kicks theory. So I wonder what we're doing here. This this has been weird to see Ziggler get in the mix a couple times like this. Yeah, who was it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Dirty Dogs came on Raw. Was it Didn't Veer? They, was, was it Veer or was it Omos? And Omos, right? It was one of the big men. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was one of the big guys. And I thought, hmm, okay. And uh, I can tell you, I, look, I'm a big Dolph Ziggler fan from going back the early days of uh, the uh, Spirit Squad. Um, I, I I think this guy is phenomenal in everything he does, and I could definitely get into some theory Dolph Ziggler matches, that's for sure. I, I thought the main event was good. We've said it here. We think they, they've made Lashley one of the go-to guys on Monday Night Raw now. Uh, and, and, you know, he started Raw off what? Two weeks ago, and he's main eventing Raw. I, I I think they're putting him in a nice position here, and I had no problems with that main event. I didn't like Raw as a whole from start to finish, but I did think that was an intriguing main event, and I like what we see here with Ziggler and Theory. I, I could really, really get behind that, but don't we have Theory and Bobby Lashley already in a rematch? Is this again like we? This is like the third t- feud that we're talking about. Where it, it could sort be of a triple threat. Right where it feels like they're almost interjecting someone in there, as uh, yeah, I agree. 
I'll give it a I'll give it another week, but that's the thing. We can't really give it too much more time because SummerSlam's not far away. Um, just a couple weeks as uh, we head on over to NXT and we open things up with Giovanni Vinci defeating Apollo Cruz. Coop, okay, positives, negatives about this. Ne- okay. First off, negative. I don't like Apollo Cruz losing. No. Right. At all. But and I and two. I'm really, I mean, I'm really not all that high on Zion Quinn no. as a as a possible feud for Apollo, but they did give Apollo an out here. It wasn't like it was a clean loss. And man, I thought Vinci looked fantastic and extremely impressive. They may be able to put a rocket up this guy on the single side because, dude, this this dude against Braun in a match could he's got like Cesaro strength, like Claudio yeah. Castagnoli type strength, like legitimate one of the strongest guys in the company. Uh, we were concerned, right? Why didn't they bring up all three uh, to WWE main roster? And now you know why. Um, this guy, the way they have packaged him, I liked his vignettes over the last couple of weeks uh, before he made his debut. I, I, I liked his uh, the the appearance. I liked the trunks. Um, this guy's a star. Yeah, uh, he's a star, dude, right hand, away. On the other hand, I'm with you. Didn't we just have a heartfelt promo with Apollo last week saying, you know, this kids had to see this guy, and now they, you know, look, I, I know it was kind of a little schmozzy finish here. Uh, unless you're going to ch- turn Apollo Crews heel, which I, I don't know why they would. I did. I, I don't like him losing. I thought this, this could be... I, I, you don't need Apollo Crews to put Giovanni over. No. I, I don't think you need that at all. Because I think this guy has the look and the work um, that he could do it with anybody else on the roster. I, I just didn't I didn't think this this was a good spot for Apollo Crews at all. Me neither. Um, great for Vinci. Not needed for Apollo. I w- if you would have told me like a, Apollo's going to come out and win the title, I wouldn't be shocked. And 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 he's losing to... Vinci to set up something with Zion Quinn, but maybe they've got some plans. We actually opened the show with an attack coop in the parking lot. It was an attack in the parking lot. Um, Roxanne Perez. It looked like she was attacked by toxic attraction. We know that she's got a, a main event match at the end of the night. So I guess we can talk about it all in one spoiler alert. It was Cora Jade. Cora Jade, she's mad that her friend was going to get a chance to win. In fact, Cora Jade was trying to step in and say, oh, I'll wrestle you, Mandy, for the title. But Roxanne came back hurt. And as it looked like even injured Roxanne was going to beat Mandy Rose for the title in the main event, her best friend, Cora Jade, screws her over. So I guess two things. They didn't specifically say that it was Cora Jade. That injured Roxanne to start the show, but it's it's got to be right. Yeah, I, you would think now. I wish when uh, Toxic Attraction came on backstage with the interview, I wish they would have said, "Hey, we didn't have anything to do with this." Yep, we don't know what you're talking about. Then they would, you know, it would. They acted it, like they did it, right? And I didn't like that. And Me neither. If we find out they did, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you surprised that they turned Cora and Roxanne so quick so early? Yes. We were, we, we played it out last week, like in three or four different ways. 
yeah. how it could have happened. Okay, they could do it this way, they could do it this way, but this would be this was awful because not only did they do this, they didn't have Roxanne win. So now you've got these tag team champions who just turned on each other. How does that make your tag division any good or those belts important? I don't Yeah, because if if you know they're going to put them in a match to defend these titles somehow some way and I just I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off. I don't see I didn't, we definitely don't see Roxanne just dropping the title and saying I don't want this anymore. If they do, that just looks stupid. Of course, the heel, um, maybe she drops the and says, hey, look, I'm not defending these titles, you know, with you, blah, blah, this. It just made it an odd way. Now, maybe if she turns on them after you lose the titles coming up, I could buy that quicker than I could have bought this. I don't mind Cora turning on her for that title to be jealous but not as the tag team champions. I would have liked to have seen them at least defend it a I know. couple of times and, this, and then turn on each other. It was all just way too fast. Yeah, they didn't let this quick. play out enough at all. And maybe it's because they're just going to have – whatever the reason be, I, I don't – like I think it could have been done better. It really could have. Um, we had Tatum Paxley. Oh, let's see. Before we got there, we had – Tiffany Stratton getting her nails done. This was great. <laughs> this was great. This the, these little ones that they do in the this and like the barber shop that they've done, and they do the yep. other one in the bar, which is okay. Like, you know, some they're not all gonna hit, but I don't I don't mind them. I I, I thought this fits Tiffany Stratton, and the barber shop one fits Mellow and uh and Trick pretty well. Yeah, my dad said that you know it's just like at one time at band camp. Uh-huh. The way she says it and she presents it, it's, it's pretty funny. And I'm not, I'm like going to get on Google reviews and give you a five, uh, one star review. She's got it down. She does. Yeah, it's just really, really good. It's really, really good. I, it, I think, look, you talk about somebody that's come a, come a long way in a short period of time. It's Tiffany Stratton. I, I, I think that's your your next kind of Mandy Rose-esque. But, I agree. You know, I, I'm not, uh, you, you, know, con, you know, saying this person's better than this person, but as a package right now, I think that's kind of what hindered Mandy a little bit. She kind of struggled with her promos and Mm -hmm. being believable. Uh, This gal is pretty believable. Every time she goes to the ring, we just hate her. I think there's something to, for Mandy, she always, I think she has, she's always had the look and the presence, but I I think for Mandy, I've never thought Mandy was bad in the ring. At Absolutely all. not. No. Not at all. And and some people would, but so but I think for Mandy, it was just the fact that she wasn't as good as she would like to be in the ring, to where maybe that didn't make her comfortable or con- as confident. Sometimes it does not seem like that is the case for this girl, Tiffany. She is just she's an athlete, so she's just super confident in her ability. And now she feels like she's got this this gimmick down. Um, yeah, I, I like I, I like her. I think she's doing a, a great job. My dad said. <laughs> My dad said. And then this girl is obsessed with me, you know, and she's talking about Wendy Chu. And um, um, she, uh, we then lead to Cameron Grimes. It's funny. He he comes out and he's like, I'm a loser. And he's just literally calling himself a loser. And he's like, about to cry. He talked about he lost the North American title and he couldn't beat Braun. And then J.D. McDonough comes out, 
and JD McDonough interrupts him. And the crowd was like really crapping on Grimes. They were like booing him when he was calling himself a loser. And then he yeah. comes when McDonough comes out, Grimes calls McDonough an Irish asshole, and, and then the, <laughs> the crowd pops for him. So uh, yeah, he goes. I, he, I thought he. I look. I thought. I thought JD had a a really good strong uh, promo here. You know, Grimes. Hey, look, man, you lost, pal. Yeah, you're you're old news. Uh, yeah, you had the million dollar belt and you had the North American title, but you don't anymore, buddy. It's all you're old news. So I like this promo. I like the setup, and that leads to a match on Tuesday that's just going to be really, really good. I, I think these two. I, we know Grimes can work, and we know JD can work. So I, I think you talk about a good wrestling match. I think these two are going to deliver next week. We, we're also going to have Roderick Strong against Damon Kemp. That should be pretty. Yeah. Pretty fun um, as Roderick was mad that David Kemp was kind of being amicable with the Creed brothers. So we'll get that one uh, coming up this and, week. And your your 20 person battle royal is next week NXT for the number one contender for uh, the NXT Women's Championship. That's, there you the, that's what they announced on, on social media yesterday. Look at a battle royal. Yeah. Who? Oh, I knew it, I, battle royal. I knew it. I love a good battle royal. I, me I too. Do. I do. I'm a sucker it's for not a battle. the world's greatest 50 yeah. man battle royal. We don't yeah, need that one. <laughs> but I'm a sucker for like a Saturday night's main event battle oh, royal. Oh, the winner gets ten thousand dollars or something yes. silly. It's like, yes. yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I know. I know. Just a uh, great stuff. We uh we got Caden Carter versus Tatum Paxley. Paxley gets the win there. Uh, in a roll up, nothing. Nothing crazy. Um, we uh, then got a couple quick matches here. Sanga versus Duke Hudson. Uh, yeah. so- Sanga gets the win. I mean, he Hudson was someone who a while ago looked like they were high on, and yeah. I mean, apparently not. Sanga yeah. just squashes through him. Brought and him they, they brought him back down to earth pretty quick, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, our guy uh, Solo Sokoa. Against Von Von Wagner and I thought uh, this was an interesting match here, man. I, I uh, you you brought it you you brought it up last week with Solo. Uh, let's be careful with him. You know, let's. I I, I don't mind these two. It was a double countout that we got here that's going to lead to another match. But Solo shouldn't be losing much at all while he's in NXT no, at all. No, man. he was so hot a few weeks ago. And he just feels a little cooled off now because they 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 kind of cut his legs off from under him. It's like they hey, didn't want to. I do I do think Robbie Robbie Stone deserves to be on TV every week. Me, that guy great. is an animal, man. Solo throwing him in the dumpster was fantastic. I, he just brings another dimension to whoever he's with. I, I just if, if you let if you let him be consistently with Von Wagner, maybe I can get on to something here. Uh, let's not let Von Wagner just be solo, but. We gotta be, we just gotta be careful with with Sokoa here, man. I, I just, if this is gonna lead to another match and Sokoa goes over, I, I, I'm okay with it. But if we go and let Von Wagner beat this guy, eh, I don't like that at all. We had uh, that little vignette of Carmelo and Trick at a penthouse party, <laughs> <laughs> so they were uh, they were living it up. And then we cut uh, to Lash Legend with a basketball. <laughs> um, 
she had a match against Indy that Indy ends up winning. It felt like they were trying to get a lot of the uh, the, the ladies on the show. I think because what the point that you made because of the battle yeah. royal coming yeah, out. And- and, and that leads to that. Um, and what I also like about these battle royals that become number one contenders, it's usually someone we don't think. But, you know, could it be Nikita Lyons? We got a backstage vignette with her. Um, it, it's usually somebody that they go, okay, here's the in-between. But I could see Nikita going crazy in this battle royal and just and doing some Brock Lesnar, Goldberg type stuff and just – Throwing gals around, eliminating them, and she wins the title, and she goes straight to the top here. That would be my quick guess. Uh, I mean, you don't have a whole lot of. I, I guess we have to, enough for twenty. Do we see Roxanne and Cora eliminate each other? Right, they go at each other. Yeah, they go at each other, and they're like so mad, like yeah. focused on each other that they're not even worried about winning the title or or sure. winning this. You have Indy is one of the last couple in there. And, and probably I think Tiffany. Be. I think she is gonna be. Yeah. yeah, Tiffany towards the end also. But it makes the most sense right now if it's Nikita. And that that's gotta be your SummerSlam weekend match, Nikita versus Mandy. Yes, one hundred percent. I think she's the one that wins it. You can continue to tell the story with Roxanne and Cora. They can have a one on one match if you want there and have the titles up for grabs, or you could do something goofy and have them defend the titles and then have a match against each other later. Uh, something weird, but they should have a match against each other at SummerSlam yes. on that card. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Does it? Do they need the titles? No. Or that no. even? Sense? No. I, I no. would prefer them lose it to Toxic Attraction again. Completely agree. But, you know, have next week they have to defend the titles and Cora Jade walks out. Yes. Yeah. And, and then they Roxanne, lose. It's not going to hurt her. Roxanne loses it two on one Roxanne comes back and then challenges Cora Jade to a match SummerSlam weekend You know So that that, that's probably the direction they gotta go in We uh We went to chase you in London They're they're (laughs) Really funny stuff They uh they have fun and they promote The chase university nothing crazy but just Goofy funny stuff as you would imagine From chase you Uh yeah we gotta look at Alba Fire She came out and uh, so they're just building a lot of these women for next week for the for that battle royal. We then went to uh, Tony D and Channing <laughs> Lorenzo. First, they talked about Legato del Fantasma, and um, Tony D needs to find out where Joaquin Phoenix and Cruz del Toro stand. So the D'Angelo family. Ends up winning. They beat Edris uh, Inofe and Malik Blade. I mean, I've had some fun with this recently, and I don't have any problem with it. I think we just got to find: is it going to be Tony D versus Santos at SummerSlam? Are we gonna Are we gonna end there? Is that where we're going? Or you know, on SummerSlam weekend? Do Do we have a an NXT that weekend? I don't even is know. That's, that's a great point. SummerSlam I mean, on Saturday, right? So, do we have yeah. something? The week, the few days after, I don't know. You're right. That's a great point. We may, we may not even have. Yeah, it could be a standalone Sunday, or it could be the following Tuesday. You know, yeah. This this past week was what Bash or Great American Bash, Mm -hmm. right? They've been kind of theming some of these Tuesday night shows, like AEW does their Wednesday night shows. So I, I I don't know yet. But uh, if you would think they were going to do a standalone on on Sunday night, um. I would think they would have already announced it. So I, my guess is no. This yeah, is my WWE weekend. And we'll yeah. get something that following Tuesday. 
Yeah, I would say no. Also, what else did we? Uh, yeah, we have. Oh, we finished up with uh, with Mandy Roxanne, as we said. And did you see someone from the main roster women getting involved in this battle royal on NXT? Ooh, I like or, that. Or are we three okay or with what we got? Three I or think four. We're okay with Nikita. I mean, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want them up. to win. I would like. I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of them in it. Yeah. And and not necessarily win. If you had like. Aliyah, exactly. That was the first person that came to mind, or a Shotzi, you know, some gals like that. I don't want a gal who's really getting built all that well right now. But if you gave me, even if you gave me someone like Nikki and Dewdrop, and Dewdrop was one of the last that got eliminated, right towards the end, like like imposing, tough for them to get out, and then Nikita has to have this incredible feat to eliminate Dewdrop. Because they've been doing that, they've been sending, you know. Main stars down the roster. We've already yep. seen Natty do it with Cora on, on, on the women's side. I think that's a good call. Get you know, at least a couple be. to fill the twenty. Sure. Right, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. That's that's a lot of ladies. So, so yeah, that's it could uh, be. It, it's going to be a strong Tuesday night. That's exciting. Yeah, Cora ends up acting like, oh, you know, Roxanne can't come out for the match. I'll I'll come out, <laughs> and then uh, Roxanne. Was she believable? Did you believe? No, and, and was a let me and. That's why you when when you watch it back and you know she turns heel, I'm I'm okay with it knowing she turns heel because it was so bad. Yeah, because the camera cut to her after the match. I think it was too quick. And yeah. she had this like grin on her face and I'm like, yeah. what? Oh yeah, here it goes. Yeah, it was it was so like even throughout the night when she was like, Oh my god, what happened? I can't believe like she cut a promo earlier in the night, and it was really like really bad acting, which yes. I, I'm, I'm thinking it was on purpose. I'm hoping if it was, yeah. then it was, then it was a good job because it was so phony that sure. it was like, oh, okay, she was just being a phony all along. So, uh, yeah, that was NXT, a fun Tuesday night as we head on over to AEW, talking about Dynamite and Fighter Fest. We opened up the show, so okay, conflicting things with this, uh, with this, with this particular match. Wardlow Orange Cassidy. It was it was kind of fun. Like there were a couple things that I did laugh at when those guys said we're just gonna cheat. I mean, like it was so stupid. And then they bring out a chainsaw. And it's like, what are the, what are you doing? So I don't mind that these guys are sort of goofy. We were just talking about comedy wrestling in WWE. The only problem is I don't know if I would want the comedy thing with Wardlow right now. That's that's oh, my look- only let me let me I, i'm i'm glad uh i, I knew we were going to bring it up because we were talking about AEW. Let, let's let's this is an important piece of of dynamite so and and going forward here let's talk about this a little bit um barring uh tv time so let me know in my in-air piece gino if oh uh, no we're good we're good produ- you know if the producer says uh hey let's wrap it up gino let's wrap it up <laughs> so let me know um you know, we go back to the early AEW days and see who all they signed. And, of course, we're not doing the same thing as we did when AEW first started. Things changed, blah, blah, blah. But Orange Cassidy has just been an absolute mystery uh, to those who know him and what he was able to do on the indie circuit with his gimmick. Because it was that was his gimmick. He did this slow down stuff. But on the flip side, the dude can really wrestle so i have no problem with orange cassidy getting ring time 
and being put in situations. And there was a lot of workers saying, oh, look how good Orange Cassidy is. And I have no problem with that the, because I like Orange Cassidy. The problem I have with is the Wardlow buildup. We have him smashing people, running through people, uh, handcuff, uh, winning battle royals, busting through chairs, tables, and everything to beat MJF and do this. And here we are struggling with Orange Cassidy here. It was in its two faces. We're trying and, to- and then and even and then even on the flip side, right? So let's say I agree with you. Okay. I don't think he should be taking minutes to get through Orange Cassidy. But then the here's my also problem. They actually made Orange Cassidy since he's come back. He had a really strong match with Will Osprey. A lot of people were really high on that match. He's actually felt, especially because you kind of look around right now and. Adam Cole's hurt. Brian Danielson's hurt. CM Punk's hurt. And all I think of these we got guys, one of the young bucks are now hurt. And all of these guys are hurt. Orange Cassidy all of a sudden felt a little bit more important. Why do you even need to have him in this match losing? Why don't you keep him separate where he's right. kind of felt pretty important off of the Will Osprey thing? You could have any person that we don't even know out there right now. All Wardlow should be doing is what Luchasaurus was doing later on in the card. Yes. For, for the next four or five matches, that's all. I want to see, until the pay-per-view, I want to see Wardlow squash a few people now that he's won the title. And maybe you give him one or two sort of interesting TV matches that go a little bit longer. But I don't, I know this is an AEW thing. And uh, uh, Takeshita, who, who had a match against Moxley after, like I can say these and separate these two things. That dude is fantastic. He is incredible in the ring. And the match was very, very good. In a vacuum, if I was just turning on the old uh, Coliseum video, you know, and they would have like the compilation of like yeah. the house show matches from all over the place, and I'm sure, and I'm throwing it on, and one of them is John Moxley versus uh, Takeshita, and this thing went, and what we saw. I would have thought, wow, this is an awesome match. The problem is, is Moxley is your world champion. And you, you're not, there's this really weird level of like, it, it, like who, so now your world champion. So first off, your, your TBS champ or your TNT, your TV champ opens the show, not your world champ, first of all. And I thought that then, was telling. Because right. we've seen that with Hangman with the title. Remember, Hangman would not open these shows. And CM Punk, Punk, did. Punk was always opening the show. Punk did. Which, which, you know what's so funny? And remember, when Punk was in WWE, that whole time that he was the WWE champ, he, he got opened. mad because <laughs> he, he got mad because actually he wouldn't close, right? Or like he would right. never be the main <laughs> event. They would still That's let it. Cena, even though Punk was the champ. And it was right. funny, even when in AEW, Punk wasn't the champ and he was that guy. So he was doing it <laughs> to Paige. Point. What what it, what it, what Cena did to him all those years earlier, but I um yeah and and, and we have it, blood again, you know there's blood yeah. in these it, matches. I, I, who are, who are we, and who are we pushing? That goes back to Wardlow and Orange Cassidy. Cause I know you know that because I, I, I lost that idea. Like yeah, they've been building Cassidy up, and uh, why why do you okay. need him in this match? You don't put any other person on 
any other person in this match against Wardlow, it would not have mattered. Look, kudos to Wardlow. That's how popular and strong he's looking now. Didn't Orange Cassidy feel more important in Wardlow match than he did in the triple threat for the world title a while back when he was with Omega and who was the third one? Was that Pac? Remember? Yeah, yeah. Didn't he feel more important Wednesday night against... And I'm not taking away anything from Omega or Pac. I'm just saying, who are we pushing here? And then that leads to, why is Moxley working the second match of the night? Why isn't this the main event or the first match? I just, again, it's the same things. Look, I think we're a broken record every week about our complaints with AEW. It's the little things like that. I know the fans are going to... The AEW fans are going to cheer it. But again, if you look at the ratings, we're at 927. You know, we, we've gone down again. And I don't want to hear, oh, it's the summer. Well, it should be. It's Wednesday night in the summer. There's nothing on. People should be watching it. Again, I just don't know why they put these in this order. And it was just, look, I have no problem with that match. As you just said, it could be on a compilation. There's nothing ever wrong with a Moxley match. I just don't know. And you see the ratings. They went down. Uh, there's not a lot of rest, television wrestling fans who know who this guy is. And then we're back to blood again. It's not sacred. It's not special anymore when we're seeing it week in and week out. But, you know, I guess they think, hey, Moxley's got to be in the ring every week because we're down this. We're down that. So, hey, there's that, you know. Coop, we uh, yeah, we had Jericho come out. <laughs> and I, I will say he cut a pretty damn good promo. This was pretty good promo from Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and then he uh he cuts a promo he says he you know he's the pain maker he he says you know Eddie's confused um he said he goes after Ortiz goes after Santana he says he took out Brian Danielson Ruby Soho has got a bad hand and he said all of the people around him He's like a curse on all of them They're going to have a barbed wire match He actually mentioned, which was true He won the first ever barbed wire match In Canadian wrestling history And <laughs> He he says, I'm, you know, I'm more of a badass Than you And I thought this was a, a, a pretty good promo We didn't really get much of a rebuttal From Kingston But uh, yeah, this, this, was, this was good Jericho stuff here and, and it's next Wednesday night, correct? Shark yeah. cage, right? Yeah. We're gonna have the the guys from the Jericho Appreciation Society all in a shark cage. They they well, came it's, back. It's Shark Week and Shark Month. I saw The Rock is involved uh, yep. in Shark Week somehow, so you, they're playing that gimmick. I, it's on TV, so it's if you if you don't like blood and guts, then this is not going to be your match. I do like Jericho's the pain maker. I do like that little gimmick. I just, man, at Jericho, what is he, 51, 52, 50-something years old, just doing this? It's just like, I will say this. This has to be the end of, the, of this this Jericho Kingston stuff here. Has to be the end of it, man. Has to. The uh, match the match that was next was the one we talked about, Takeshita versus Moxley. It, again, it's a good match. If you're going to watch a show, it's, it's good. The only problem that I have with AEW is that you – you have to tell it a little bit more like a, a TV show and stories being told than just two guys go out there and, and have a really good 10 or 15 minute match because we can see that a lot. But Takeshita's got a little something. He does. He he stood out to me more than some of the other yeah, New Japan sure. yeah, or point. some of the other people that they brought in. I think 
he's got like a little um like a like there's like a natural charisma to him that's just there's something about him that's a little bit intriguing. So uh I think he's done he's done good work, but come on, this 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 could be an okay match for someone else, but you don't need your champ who just won this title as your interim champ going, you know, 15 minutes toe to toe where it looks like he might get beat. And this is after he doesn't open the show and you make it seem like Wardlow with his title might be more important than this. Sure. Sure. What it felt like to me. And I don't think they want to feel that way, even though it's interim, but look at the guys on Rampage or look at the guys that are on dark or dark elevation. Don't you think you could have got one of them to work Moxley or to work this guy and, and set up the problem is we have a while before the next pay-per-view, right? This was fighter fest. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the next one is Labor Day weekend in Las Vegas or Chicago or maybe Florida. I can't remember, but it was announced. So we got a ways away from that pay-per-view. So I just let's just be careful what we do. I look, I, I understand if you think Moxley is the ratings king. Um I just don't think your world champion needs to be going out there week in, week out, regardless if they're interim or not, and putting on these matches. If they do, they damn sure need to be the main event. How bad would you have think if Roman Reigns is in the middle of I that? was just going to say this. Same thing. Right, right now, you think think about it like that. Or Roman Reigns is going 20 minutes with someone who – if, if that were to happen, it would hopefully be the start of a storyline that, you know – this person was going to beat him down the line, like John Cena, Kurt Angle, you know, sure, Kurt sure. Angle, like you've got this young prospect who's out there and, you know, is going to be the guy for you at some point. Like that's and the that kind of been perfect for somebody from AEW dark or dark elevation. Then absolutely been perfectly fine with that. And that's what's so weird is that it just unfortunately feels like they have so much to do. If this guy is going to be a guy that you're going to go with, but I think he's a guy who's like on loan from new Japan. I think so like, too. It's not even like a fully signed AEW. I think what they call it, it's like when the young boys have their excursion, they get sent oh, yeah. to other companies for a little while to go and wrestle for them just, just to learn. And then they come back. It's sort of like, um, well, yeah, that's what used to happen in the old territory days. Bill mm-hmm. and that, would ship somebody off to Tennessee. Jerry, you know, Jerry Jarrett would send somebody to, to mid Atlantic and they would do a lot of stuff like that. The talent exchanges like that. What it does is you, it gets you out of it on the road, some experience to learn, and then you come back and you you're sort of a fully formed product. As uh, we got Christian Cage, he was he was rough again. He wasn't quite as rough, but man, he likes going after these passed away fathers. He yes. he took a shot at Pillman. Um, he took a shot at Pillman Jr. And you could tell this one was just kind of like forced a little. Yeah, you know, because he yeah, said this one wasn't Christian Cage. There's no way. He said, you know, your dad was uh, like your dad, just like Jungle Boy is dead. But the difference was at least your dad was a wrestler. So, you know, I had some respect for him because he stepped in the ring, but he was just average at best. And And I think we're building up a Jungle Boy Christian, right? That's what it feels like when Jungle Boy gets back. The problem is, did we have MJF say basically the same thing when he worked Brian Pillman on TV? He basically cut the same type promo this Definitely didn't felt like feel like Christian Cage at all to me. No. I don't. They're becoming probably the the better part of the show. What is Christian going to say this week? But this yeah. one didn't seem like it was all him. No, you're right. No, the the presentation with Luchasaurus is is very much like Kane though. You know, sure. they're making him sure. 
look like a badass and he's looking pretty good. Um, then we heard from the Jericho Appreciation Society who who's backstage. Like, What's going on? Why are we in another freaking cage, man? What the hell? We were just in one cage. We got another. These guys, they crack me up. And then the other guy, uh, Daniel Garcia, who sort of got this like Marky Mark thing going on. <laughs> you know, he's actually yeah. gotten a lot. It it's helped them to be with Jericho, and you can see it oh, when whatever. they're back there and they cut a promo. It's like, wow, these guys are good on. On the mic, and it's definitely by being around uh, Y2J as Luchasaurus got a quick squash over Griff Garrison. That was that was a little earlier, and then we got we got Jack Swagger, Jake Hager versus <laughs> Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli. We the, the people. people. <laughs> <laughs> and, Who at one time was the most over tag team in WWE. Oh yeah, and Zeb with them, man. Oh with, yeah, Dutch, Dirty Dutch, Dutch, Dutchy <laughs> Zeb with them. But uh, for as much as we have critiqued, and I think very fairly, when AEW has brought people in, had awesome debut, and then like forgotten about them, they've done really good w- w- so far with with Claudio. He's yeah, felt- I would have liked, liked to seen him in a match last week, but mm-hmm. I would. I take this. I, I have no problem with what we saw last week. And uh, I, I think it was by design. It was. It was good. And Hager's been like Hager has been kept pretty strong. He doesn't have a lot of matches and he doesn't lose a lot. He just doesn't right. wrestle a whole lot. So when you see him out there, and it was kind of funny, Excalibur was talking about all of their matches together in WWE, but he wasn't <laughs> saying WWE. Right. They've, they've wrestled a hundred matches together as a tag team. Uh, they've wrestled ten times in singles, and uh, Castanoli is up six to four in those matches, which I I like that kind of stuff. Oh, I really absolutely. do. I, who who doesn't love a good stat or a good resume? I love records, man. It, it, so we, it makes for a more interesting match. It's a, a different dynamic. So Hook, man, he feels cold. Oh, right. Yeah. He uh, was hot for a while, and now they haven't really done much with him. They got to do something with him. Yeah, I agree. So so we get thunderstorm God. with the thunderstorm T-shirts and everything, and and then Britt comes back. It feels like Britt hadn't been around for a while, but then unfortunately, she still feels like a like a bigger star than a lot of the women's division. But she definitely doesn't feel like as hot as she was at oh, all no. before. Oh, no. And they've got to force. It was sort of funny, you know, that people had talked about Thunder Rosa maybe sandbagging some of the women in the division. So <sighs> Britt brings out a sandbag and says that thunderstorms cause. Damage and flooding And you need some sandbags To stop It was like It, it was I one thought, of those things that Britt was probably sitting down And writing down and, and uh, was like Oh this is gonna this is gonna be great you know And then when you start talking it out It's like oh crap it just didn't It didn't work how I was hoping it did No and I, I don't even know If Thunder Rosa even knew That was gonna be said I, Even the AEW marks This was probably Uncalled for um, I, I don't think you dip On your roster like that Especially um, Your your damn champion in that division I, I, I Look I, I'm a fan of Britt Baker um, I, Again we've got a championship Title holder who hasn't been book, Booked very well The person she just beat uh, Who came from WWE Was supposed to be Supposedly the You know Corner or the corner turner 
for the women's division in AEW. Now they're a tag team, and it's like, you know, Storm's going to turn on her, right? So now we're going to get this match. And I, I just thought it was an unnecessary for her to do the sandbagging comment. I, I think there's bad blood between Britt and Thunder Rosa. I think it's obvious, and if they want to just – keep digging on each other. That's fine. I just thought it was uncalled for. And I wasn't the only person, a lot of AEW marks were really disappointed in that. They, they just said it didn't belong in that segment, but I just think it's interesting that you have your women's champion cutting vignettes, but she's not on your main show in the ring every week. And we have other women's matches, but Hey, maybe that's, that's just my opinion. <laughs> the Serena, another in issue, um, you know, you're, You've got a, a, a show here with a few hours And now Every week there's going to be Portions of it and That are dedicated to Building up this Ring of Honor pay-per-view now Which right. is in not this weekend I think next weekend So yeah, yeah. you've got a loaded roster That has a tough time Getting uh, you know, Time for everyone But you have You have to put you know Serena D. On the show because she's going to have a match Coming up with Mercedes I believe Right for the Ring of Honor Championship yeah. and, and they, I think they pulled the WWE out of their Hat I think the two ladies are in a tag Match or they've been in tag Matches coming up and I think that's All been on dark and dark elevation Too is all our it, Ring of Honor People so they, they don't know what to do This match was awful too Anna J oh, is Anna J is not quite Maybe she she was got a little bit banged up after they were talking about it, and yeah, she's not very but, good. She's great to look at. Sorry, she's, she's young. Good. Yeah, she's got a she's just got a long ways to go right now. Yeah, what, a couple couple positives that I will give. Um, they, I've been critiquing the fact that they don't have enough video packages to sort of catch us up on things that may have happened that they wanted to tell us about. Now, I don't like the fact that they're having Pac defend the title on Dark. But they did, and at least they showed us the package. I yes. like that. Yes, and no problem. the same thing for the Thunder Rosa. Why the hell is Thunder Rosa losing matches right now as your <laughs> women's tie- champion? But but they did they did show us a little clip. They referenced it, and apparently that they're going to have a rematch in AEW now. So that is something that I get on them every week for not doing, and they did this week. You know what? Even though I don't love. Everything about how those segments were and what what they what happened. At least I know what happened now because they showed me. So at least I'm caught up. I didn't have to go and find this on AEW Dark. All it took was a couple minutes. They told me, and okay, now I know what's going on moving forward. So I will critique them. But when they do the things that we asked and I hope for, I'll give them credit for that. It's a small little thing, but I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it helped me understand this show and understand the storylines a little bit better. All right, good point. You know, look, that's all we ask for. If 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 people are complaining and that's one of the faults, if you make an attempt to fix it, that's but that that's that's the big key there. Let's be consistent with it, and it's a good start because you do bring up a good point. Usually, they just throw it together, whatever sticks on the wall. But you do bring up a good point, very good point. And then, so there's just some like there's sometimes it's just there's so much we have all in a row. The Serena Deeb Anna J stuff, and then right after that, Mercedes Martinez comes in, and then after that, it's Jade Cargill backstage with Stokely, and then all of these baddies 
right there. And then that like instantly goes to Anna Jay in the locker room and Ty Conti comes in and mocks her. Anna Jay says something along the lines of, at least I didn't slam Ruby's hand into a door. What? <laughs> I don't know either. I, but I don't know if it was that supposed to be mean because we we know Ty did it. I don't know. Like, what's the? Who told me? Poor Ty's back there just trying to be evil heel, and, and she feels like like someone's cast this poor girl to be an evil girl, and she's not really. You know, like I feel like Ty Conti's gonna wake up in a year or two and be like, "Wait, I'm married to Sammy Guevara? What, what the is- hell happened?" You know, like. Um, but. Um, then we get the tag team championship match, which the match again, awesome. Some no problems. Cool yeah. spots. Swerve it was spot, looked it was very great. spotty, but that that's the AEW super spotty. Everybody got to look strong. Swerve looked strong. Keith Lee looked like a badass. Hobbs looked really really good. Fun stuff. Couple problems. One, why why is it ever a triple threat tag match, and there's only two people in the ring? <laughs> Man, why isn't there one from each team? Right, right. I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I, I wish I could tell you an answer to that, but I don't. I hate it. And of all promotions to do it that way, you would figure AEW would make right and put w- at least one member from each team in there. And so <laughs> I, I don't get that, first of all. And that's if WWE, AEW, NXT, anyone does that. How do you, why do you have a triple threat match and one team's not in it? I don't understand that. That makes no sense. Two, it's a triple threat match. There's no DQ. Why do you have a ref bump? <gasps> why, why do you even have a ref bump? And then three, what the hell was that ref bump? Like, he's still out. He's still out right now. Knox, are you okay, Knox? Knox, come to life, buddy. Are you there? Um, it, and then what ends up happening, I get kind of taken out after that when I'm watching it. Like, I mean, it I, so I, I just and I don't know why we waited so long for Swerve. And I'm not saying them they automatically win the titles. Weren't they turning on each other? They were just week? turning on each other. Everything that's happened with these two guys has happened on Rampage, also. Right. We haven't and seen any of it on Dynamite. They haven't given us really a whole lot of package video packages or or a build up to for what's been going on on Di- um on Rampage. They haven't told us about it on Dynamite at all. And now these guys are the champs, which is fine. I think it's good for Swerve and Keith Lee. But why why would you have this tease in the match? It looked like they were going to break up. Yes, they teased it. I think it was and a now swerve, I guess literally. And and now the problem is one: Are you doing this? Because you want to get the Young Bucks over to FTR? Because that should be your match right now. Young Bucks FTR for like all of those belts, you know, in one match, you know, or like a cool match between those two. So that's it's, the one I could say, hey, all the belts matter. You know, yeah. that would be the one, FTR and Young Bucks. And and, and one, so why Young Bucks got hurt. The guy had a stinger. I think it was Matt. They said it today. And, he, he's it was that was rough. And so and so now you've got what what are, you, are these guys going to have the title for a while? Are they going to tell some story like they're telling with Cora Jade and Roxanne, where like they're going to turn on each other with the belts soon? I'm not positive. And then, oh yeah, they they finish the show and they're 
oh, and the new tag team champs, and we got to go. Like, they don't even, like, there's no. no time for the guys to even celebrate for two seconds. That was Young like, Sheldon, up next, let's go, immediately. It's like, That's what? Nikki, Nikki cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase, and it's like, oh, we'll see you next Wednesday on the bump. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> it just... It's fun. It's fun, man. A it's lot fun. of in-ring work and in-ring stuff that's great, but again, it's the it's some of the setup of the matches or the booking or why did you need to put those two against each other in this spot? Sure. That makes me you know wonder a little bit um, as uh, we finish up with this week in wrestling. Koopa Loop covered a lot of ground, like always, my friend. Thanks so much for uh, one of my favorite parts of the week, getting to talk some uh, some wrestling with you, and look forward to diving into everything again next week, my friend. Yeah, kudos. Like I say, you know, we we mention all of the, uh, you know, the in-ring, the Raw, SmackDown, and uh, AEW Dynamite, but Sunday nights are good again, too. Um, well-done packages by WWE. Um, I, I really enjoyed the, I thought I'd seen everything on HBK and Bret Hart. There was some some stuff in there I'd never seen before on the Rivals show. And this week uh, we have Goldberg and I, I wasn't a, a big Goldberg fan, but I look forward to seeing, you know, some of the behind the scenes stuff because there was a lot of people that weren't a uh, Goldberg fan. And then you have Rivals, uh, The Undertaker and Kane. Um, so j- again, just a, a, a lot of stuff each and every week um, uh, on This Week in Wrestling. And next week we've got a big, uh, what, Ring of Honor pay-per-view next week to talk about. So a lot of stuff, man, a lot of stuff. Koopa Loop, it's always a blast. Love chatting with you. And uh, next week we'll have uh, another installment of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Make sure to give him a follow uh, at the Chad Cooper on Instagram and on Twitter. Koopa Loop is a fantastic photographer and you can live vicariously through him as I do many, many times. Uh, don't go anywhere, folks. There's a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode. Good luck in your Friday and Saturday racing. Thanks to Chad Cooper for helping us out talking some wrestling. Thanks to Eric for talking AFC North. Coming up over the next few days, we'll finish up with Miss Marvel. Tim Kelly's going to join me over the weekend. We'll have more coverage for Louisiana Downs racing for you with Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday coming up. We'll also dive in to NXT with a old, with an old wrestling rewatch with Andrew Champagne. So a lot on the docket. And then Del Mar will start next week. We'll have a lot of Del Mar coverage throughout the meet. We'll continue on with Saratoga with Louisiana Downs. And uh, Joe Foster, an interview with trainer Joe Foster from Louisiana Downs should be coming up uh, in the next few days. Hope you all have a great weekend. Good luck in all your wagers, and we'll be back again in just a few.